0: Hey, my name is Chris Brennan, and you're listening to The Astrology Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with the gals from the What's Your Sign Astrology Podcast about the astrology of comedy and comedians. Uh, So, hey, welcome, each of you.
1: Hello. Hello. Great to be here.
0: Yeah, this has been a long time in coming. Um, You have one of the more popular astrology podcasts over the past several years and you had me on your podcast a few months ago and during the course of that episode at some point it came up because each each of you um are in not just astrology but also comedy and i mentioned that it would be really great to do an episode on the astrology of comedy and comedians so so here we are doing that today
1: yeah
2: so mode it be we're we're here in the digital flesh and thank you so much for having us it's a dream come true yeah, thank you. We're so excited to be
3: here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, each of you, uh, so your names are Stevie Anderson, Julia Loken, and Lisa Chenu, and you each do comedy as well as astrology, right?
2: Yes. yes. I'm a Goldstein now. I got married. Well, we all got married last year. It's we can. That's another episode of the astrology. of Why <laughs> did we all get married in 2022? But yeah, Anderson and Goldstein will come up in the Google searches.
0: Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> and, and yes, uh, to comedy. And how long have you been doing the podcast now?
1: We just celebrated our five-year anniversary in February.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: We launched on a new moon eclipse. So eclipses can be good, (laughs) despite the the fear that I feel like comes up when it is eclipse season, which we will be heading into by the time this comes out as well. So
1: that's yeah, eclipses can really
2: open portals, as they say.
1: I do feel like starting a podcast is very eclipse energy because it is something that you just like have to do. You just have to pick it. You just start it and you just decide that this is when it goes and it goes from not being a podcast existing to existing and just going like, okay, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. So it felt felt very fitting. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm a fan of eclipses Mm -hmm. because sometimes they just, I always say they indicate great beginnings and great endings. And while that energy can be kind of chaotic, sometimes really momentous things happen under it. Like- you starting your podcast, or I, I published my book under a, a lunar eclipse. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, so um, let's talk about. Um, let's see. What is our entry point into this? Well, one of the ways I was thinking about it is in ancient astrology. Um, astrologers were associated with Mercury um, because they were seen to be like translators of the stars, mm-hmm. uh, and astrology was seen as a language. And Mercury was the planet that had to do with communication. And um, when I was thinking about that, though, there's many different Mercury type professions and Mercury type fields that have to do with speech and communication, and I couldn't think of one that's more fitting for that Mercury type role in modern times than like the role of the stand-up comedian and the person that liter- literally gets up in front of like a room full of people and just like talks and tries to make people laugh. Essentially, is is basically like what they're attempting to do, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
1: think it's all of the facets of Mercury too, because it's not only the literal talking; it's also the writing, it's also the processing and synthesis of ideas, and then also sharing that in both written and spoken form.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah, maybe this isn't. I think this is a good warning for your audience: is like we, since we are comedy people and not historians, if you will. It was really interesting to me just starting to dig into the history of comedy. Cause I was, just like astrology. I was like, Oh wow, this is quite old. <laughs> like this is, this is older than I thought it would be, which makes sense in terms of like court gestures and clowns. And like, I mean, it's the Wikipedia goes deep, you know, if you go to just straight up comedy mm-hmm. and I think the intention being to make someone laugh was always like the through line. And then also for plays and things like of that nature, it was always a happy ending. And I thought that that was like another great distinction from drama or tragedy or whatever it might be. But yeah, not a hot take, but wow, it's pretty old was, was what I have <laughs> realized looking back. But I do think stand-up and I've, I looked into like the first stand-up, which was quite interesting, but like stand-up and I think the film and television is where we really have what we know as like modern comedy. Mm.
3: Yeah, I find I it- Go ahead. ahead.
2: I find it real Mercury too because
4: it happens in the room, and I think there is a Mm. feeling that happens when you're having a conversation and things really start flowing. And I think that can happen in in a room. And when we see it translated on TV, it's not always as buzzy or mercurial. Um, Obviously, we have like you know the screen and maybe some Neptune energy enter entering into that space or something else. But when you're really in a room and either watching or performing, it's such a mercurial feeling.
3: Mm-hmm. I,
1: I like right. that too, because it's also thinking about the audience itself being mercurial to the the magic of it in the room, but also having to literally like take the temperature of the room and also watching stand-up, engaging with stand-up, I think is mercurial. Maybe, I don't know, is laughter mercury? That feels, <laughs> I feel like it must. it must be, but also feels kind of like Martian in a, Expelling impulse, way, but yeah,
2: kind of yeah. like too. I feel like it's like, well, is it just, is it all the planets, but it does feel like what, what tickles your fancy feels very like that moon Venus sort of energy. And then that also just, I just like this, or this just hits for me. Like that was the Genesee quav just art, you know, that can be hard to encapsulate with words, even though that's what the medium also is, is communicating who you are or a joke or an idea or just like a persona, a lot of the times too, I think can definitely be involved with comedy is a lot of times these people who are in comedy are not always them. It's themselves, but like a different version of themselves for an audience. With the moon
4: too. I mean, comedy generally happens at night. And so I can Mm -hmm. see that having like, you know, the lunar effects of it. I, I mean, there are daytime comedy shows, but they tend to not be at feel the same.
2: <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else, Lisa. They <laughs> <laughs> tend to be during the day. Uh.
4: Yeah.
0: And, and in terms of like, one of the things I think it's really interesting with the rise of like podcasts and um, like comedy podcasts is you hear a lot of, especially when comedians are interviewing other comedians about the craft of comedy or like the craft of like developing a bit or refining it or um, having that interplay with the audience or the tension between like developing new material versus using old material and things like that. And there's so many interesting things about comedy as a profession, um, as well as just that um, there's different types of different comedians approach things in different ways and clearly have sometimes very distinct personalities and they develop their followings based on sometimes whatever their personality is. Um, Mm -hmm. And their approach to comedy is like attracting people in different ways because it sort of hits different spots. And to the extent that one's personality can sometimes be seen or one's manner of communication can be seen through the birth chart, I thought it might be interesting to look at some different charts today for different comedians to see if we can understand that as uh, a lens through which to understand different people's unique approach to comedy and to making people laugh through astrology.
2: Mm -hmm. I love it. Absolutely. Let's do it. it. I I think that hits a good point too, is, and from like our research, there's, it's not like there's no Aquarian comedians, right? There's comedians of all signs. And I think going back to like any sign can be funny, but then also like, what is the through line of their different personal placements or aspects that are forming in the chart or even just their timing? We can, maybe Mm -hmm. it's a spoiler alert, but I was looking into Joan Rivers in particular, because I think her story is very interesting one, especially in terms of society, right? Like I think when is society even ready for someone like Joan or, you know, it, is it just the timing too of when they're ready to be entered in a more like public accepted space?
0: Right. For sure. So she was like an ex, an early example of like a, a woman that was, that was successful as a stand up comedian in like the mid to late 20th century.
2: Yeah. Um, and late night was her main, I think that was like the main threshold of being the first Again, like maybe there was someone else that was the first late night host, but I don't think so. I believe she was like the first woman in late night television. Um, after striking up with friendship, oh, there she is. <laughs> Here's her
0: chart. We actually <laughs> there's Joni. We have a time chart, it's like sort of rounded, it's like 2 a.m., but she was born uh, July 8th, 1933, at mm-hmm. 2 a.m. in Brooklyn, New York, with uh, probably early Aries rising. The moon mm-hmm. in Sagittarius and Mercury conjunct Venus and the sun. And that's actually kind of interesting because I was trying to look up, I was I pulled up the text of the second century astrologer Vadius Valens and he talks about Mercury signifying communication and people that are good with words and people that are clever. Um, but then when I searched for the word laughter or laughing, it actually came up with the Venus. Um, mm. As one of the like positive facets of Venus is like something that's enjoyable or pleasurable um, or makes you feel good. And, and so it's almost like it's some combination potentially of those two of like Venus and Mercury, um, at least in, in terms of some of those, those older texts.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's interesting. That makes sense too in terms of um, Venus and style to not only a comedian style, but also you, the audience member's taste and preference and what you find enjoyable. And it isn't necessarily, I mean, some people, some people like uh, real body real gross out humor kinds of things and I wonder <laughs> if that would be reflected in in a Venus aspect but I think mostly there is at the very least some sort something enjoyable about a punchline like rhythmically hitting the notes that you expect it to or something that feels very Venusian and when things don't work it's that is also like a missed a missed punchline sort of well, thing. Right? when you
4: start to everyone tells you to talk about things you care about mm-hmm. and it does feel like a lot of the time when it's personal and that it makes it even more relatable to others. So I guess the values
2: thing with Venus too.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely.
2: And for the audience too, you, you're probably going to go see someone you like, <laughs> or like that aligns <laughs> with your values or is saying what I was thinking with Joan, just seeing how much third house energy she had to like Mercury and Venus together. She talks about her appearance and her looks and her place as um in the earlier days as like a mother and a housewife sort of figure but then obviously breaking that mold and I think the third house like I don't know sometimes when I look at a chart I just get like a flash of a sentence and for Jones I was just saying what we're thinking and I think that that lends true to a lot of comedians but especially <laughs> I mean come on Gemini sun Sagittarius moon all, like all this stuff I it's just so potent and then I think to that t square to her Mars in the 6 to like poking fun at everyday sort of things the mundane like that's something we see so often in comedy and i think she's just such like a blueprint too for for that style and just i don't know just being I mean, unapologetically herself as well Aries rising i think is I know, very so palatable
4: good. too like to an audience and i think if it's some if you're different than what people have seen in the past you're a woman and that's not really the common thing then being palatable and for people to be able to get it and be able to f- kind of flow in the natural natal chart it makes sense yeah with uranus mm-hmm. there
1: i yeah. mean just being well, herself is is radical i think uranus is really potent in a comedian chart i think it is not only like the you know, the archetype of the bolt of inspiration and kind of genius Mm. and ideas, but also the archetype of being a radical, being someone that also is kind of an outsider, because when you are performing comedy, you are the only person on stage, you're standing up in front of everyone. And you might be saying what everybody is thinking, but you are the one saying it and kind of like taking that risk, being in the spotlight, being the lightning rod for those things. And I think not only that, also, it speaks to me to a comedian's cultural significance. We all have Uranus in our chart, but I think that uh, what something that i noticed for almost every comedian that i looked at is a strongly aspected uranus in some way it it differs and i think that it reflects their cultural contributions but i think that for someone to not only be able to like tap into our collective consciousness and also be the voice of it that to me is very uranian
0: i was thinking about that recently actually with um norm mcdonald because i was watching some comedians talk mm-hmm. about him and they said the thing that stood out about him, among other things, in his approach to comedy, is that sometimes he would find a really unique way to like approach a bit that um, would surprise other comedians with its like innovativeness of like that they wouldn't have thought of that. And I think that's a very Uranian thing. And he actually had Mercury um, square Uranus um, mm-hmm. to your point. To your point, we don't have a time chart for him, but here's his chart with Mercury at twelve Whoa. Scorpio, mm-hmm. and it's sort of widely applying to a square with Uranus at twenty Leo
3: yeah also (laughs) julia's
4: husband um saw him do a set one for one political direction and then the following night do the exact opposite which i think is very (laughs) libra sun like to do to see like oh let's see both sides see what people laugh at and then pick things out and like
0: Right, as well I as very think... uranian in terms of not wanting to be pinned down and and wanting mm-hmm. to be rebellious or something, and that's actually what he got. It's kind of why he got fired from SNL in the nineties because um, he was doing a lot of jokes about OJ Simpson, and his boss at the time, the head of the network, was like, "You have was a friend of OJ Simpson, so he told him he had to stop doing those jokes." And he sort of rebelled against that, and he said no, and he kept doing it, and so they they got rid of him basically.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, another like Uranian kind of thing of like the rebel and also kind of the I don't know, someone who is poking people like it and comedy goes well, but it is also kind of dangerous and kind of uh not I don't want to say dangerous because I feel like that's like also a buzzword that people are saying now. Well, like to, you can't be... say anything you want, but you I mean yeah there literally were people who were arrested for doing stand-up comedy, uh which we'll get to I think later on. Um yeah. but but that idea and... yes of of like you said of not being able to pin down of saying what you want and um yeah there's just such a strong Uranian streak to me in comedy, and mm-hmm. but
0: going back to your point, Lisa, about Libra, that's true also of Norm, just because of that strong Sun Mars conjunction, mm-hmm. and Libras can have that um, feeling of like wanting to be like opposite to some something or to play like the mm. counter counterbalancing role to something, and you can see that sometimes come up as like a strong tendency with Libras. I see it sometimes even with like skeptics of of like if everyone is doing this. Then they're gonna like take the opposite side and say, you know, no, that's wrong, or or this is the other end of the spectrum of that.
4: Wow. Also, I mean, Anthony Jesselnick is a Capricorn son with a Libra moon. We don't have the time. Um, but everyone in comedy always talks about he's very dark on stage I and mean, he'll go, he'll go all the way in. But everyone that knows him always talks about how nice he is off stage. And so I think mm-hmm. there is again that like, I'm gonna take the other side to this and really, um, balance my life in this Mm -hmm. way. And another sun, Mars. I I was going to say, look
1: at that. I think conjunctions again, not like a, not a sign specific, uh, comedy signature, but I think that conjunctions, um, are also very comedy to me because one of the things that you would read about a conjunction as far as significations would be like um tunnel vision on something and i think when mm. we talk about comedians we're often talking about someone who has a strong opinion about something or a strong point of view and i think that seeing those conjunctions whatever planets they are i think mars also to me fits because we literally give punchlines, and that's so mars to me mm-hmm. uh, yeah. or you know, the- like
0: the notion of like going into a room and when a comedian does really well, they say that they killed that room or yeah. they really killed, killed.
1: Yes. They're like the <laughs> delivery, the assertiveness of, of Mars. I think, um, you know, you'll see it in different places. It's not always necessarily conjunct the sun, but I think that that is also like very, um, like you would describe Anthony Jeselnik's humor as like sharp to something mm-hmm. with that sun Mars conjunction. But I think the conjunctions we saw it in Joan Rivers too. I think that's interesting with the Mercury Venus, uh, conjunction and that she would then go on to do so much fashion commentary and red carpet, mm-hmm. part, uh, which I think is also very, you know, fitting. But I think the the conjunctions in in conjunction with tense aspects is that like fighting for differing points of views and needing to deliver something like that you feel strongly.
2: I just like that I can tell Libras when they're being annoying Chris Brennan said you're just taking the opposite <laughs> side just because just right. now I know now I know I'm just gonna this is my pull quote I'm like it's not me I gonna, like Chris
1: Brennan says yeah you're gonna
0: be, you're gonna I like that can, I'm gonna get canceled with Libras because of
1: you.
4: <laughs> I um, like the idea that comedians that get off stage and say they killed because usually they didn't but, <laughs> but that is a very Mars thing
2: to come off and be all like, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
4: yeah. Well, you don't want to get up
2: there too and be like, uh, you have to sell it, you know, even yeah. when you're sucking, it's, it's sad when you don't, it's, it's sad. Yeah. If you see someone just take the defeat, like you have to still battle, even if you are being defeated by an audience.
0: Right. And isn't that part of the process of like learning to do stand-up is like going over, going Um, up there and putting yourself, subjecting yourself to that, where most people are going to do pretty bad early on, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, and people might not laugh or, or they might not do very well, but through doing that over and over again, you sort of learn how to do it, but it's, it's a process that's not necessarily easy and doesn't come naturally to, to every person.
1: Yeah. That's another, I think another planet that you would not necessarily think of, um, as comedic but Saturn I think also kind of speaks to a comedian's success and ability to endure because stand-up is tons and tons and tons of repetition like you just said it and you are pretty bad at it uh, at the beginning and it's a skill that really builds on itself I also think it's interesting that sometimes we refer to someone's act as like their stand-up routine which mm-hmm. is very you know I go oh that's Saturn <laughs> That's Saturn too. Idea of also being having the the discipline and the form to say the things that you intend to say every time and to be like working on that, chipping away at that. I think seeing seeing uh, where Saturn is in a comedian's chart also can kind of speak to the heights that they're able to reach and also the longevity of their careers.
4: And doing it over and over Mm -hmm. and over. And I mean, how many times do you do a joke that you, I mean, I have one that I've been doing for 10 years and I, inside I go, oh, I can't believe you're still doing this. But (laughs) outside you have to
1: be like, this is my favorite joke. And and sometimes you still do like, or maybe, maybe you don't, but I can find sometimes you do naturally just get to the natural response that you had when you first started writing it because both that is like so ingrained in doing it for so long. I don't know. I think that's yeah. why, because Julie and
2: Lisa, and check out the Chatterbox Comedy Night, which we'll plug at the end again, but I, when I dabbled in stand-up, I couldn't keep going because of the repetition, and th- that's when I went into more independent radio shows and podcasting because the patience to repeat yourself, even though I repeat stories all the time, but not like by choice, I guess, <laughs> just by not having the memory of a goldfish, but I'm going to blame my mutual reception with... Gemini, Mercury and Aries, I oh, no, excuse me, my cancer, cancer, Mars and Aries moon, where I'm just like, no, it's like, that's <laughs> a hard, it is. I think that's that diligence is an underrated skill because well, repeating yourself over and over and like, it's the first time is it's not easy.
4: And I think that goes back to Mercury too, because a lot of the times you're testing and seeing, you know, I'm going to try this in front of this, or I'm going to move that Mm -hmm. there. And, but you still have to do the same joke or the same material in different order, or it's a different older crowd, younger crowd, all of those types of things. And so it is, sometimes it can feel Mm. brand new when it's words you've said so many times, but sometimes it's a slog or sometimes it doesn't go well. And you're like, I've been doing this joke for Mm -hmm. 10 years. What do you mean? You're not laughing. So there Mm -hmm. is that like, um,
2: I don't know, kind of investigation happening
3: mm-hmm. well, yeah, and,
2: and and Joan just sorry to come back to Joan, but i I deep dived her. But she finally made it on the Tonight Show with Carson after seven auditions over three years. Like it wasn't you got it, kid. like, let's keep you moving. There was the grind and also the grind, which we also hear in We're, in her as collection well. of note cards that yeah. uh, in her documentary of just, little set lists and jokes
4: and
1: things it was Mm -hmm. I mean massive Mm -hmm. well that what's her Uranus Aries in the first house because I think that that's another thing to thinking of comedy in terms of when they're their own timing and that being like a cultural moment that's ready for them and you can be as radical but if the culture isn't ready to hear what you have to say then then it's like easily dismissible sort of thing, but being ready for all of those things. She had jokes about every single subject categorized alphabetically in this thing. So she, I mean, she was, that's very Aries rising and Uranus and Aries to me of being just ready to capture. Yeah, ready to capture any moment Mm -hmm. as soon as it's
2: happening. But we'll get this on her, when she finally made it on Carson, February 17th, 65, Pluto exactly conjunct her chart ruler, her Mars, Virgo. That was just like, it's like you're ready, kid. Like, let's let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so she big. also had Saturn conjunct or Venus conjuncture, Saturn, too, like a degree apart, but but Pluto is like right, right on it
1: at the same time. I degree. also think that okay. this mutable, it's not again, we can't say that a sign, a sign by sign, uh, you know, thing, but I do think that this Gemini. Gemini, Sag access to me is very comedy too, and with the T square two Virgo, I think those like the the nitpickiness, the the I don't know all of those things, but in the kind of outrageous communication, big idea, small, micro, macro, and like the details about it, yeah, is so <laughs> comedian.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's funny that you should say that because every time I think about, unfortunately, the um that access at this point, I can't get over um, one of the most prominent examples that we've had of that in recent times, which was... Somebody that was born with a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius opposite to his Gemini son.
3: Oh
1: no, I think I know who you're saying. Oh, we, know, <laughs> we yeah, know, we know. Hey, you know, the comedy is strong. Okay. Yeah. I mean,
3: yeah. <laughs> it's Unfortunately. undeniable.
1: Unfortunately, it is a powerful comedic force. There's
2: a different yeah. timeline universe, like everything everywhere all once, where he's just a stand up killing it. You know? Right. And we're all And we all are safe. loving it. Yeah. Like,
1: yes, this yeah. is what you're supposed we, to We have universal doing.
2: healthcare and he <laughs> He's just, you know, has a residency yeah. in Vegas and all as well. You
1: are meant to be a clown, <laughs> not.
0: <laughs> not president of the United States. Yeah, not States. exactly. of
3: okay. <laughs> so we're, we're talking
0: about uh, Trump's charge. So Donald Trump has. Of course he weasels
3: in,
2: his way in here too. Moon, every, yeah, time. Every, sorry to, every time. Every no. time. Sorry
0: to go there, but. So no, yeah, it's, moon, it's good. Moon, moon at 21, Sag, opposite to the mm-hmm. sun at 22. And um, yeah, I mean, well, that was one of the things when he first made his rise during that um the primaries in 2016, 2015 and 2016 is just he was just like tearing apart his rivals through these devastating sort of um pro- broadly like comedic but also just mm-hmm. like mean mean like attacks on their character and everything else. Nicknames and, he
2: like, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He, he's still doing the nickname thing. What's his he loves nickname the nicknames? For...
2: What's DeSantis's nickname? Uh, yeah
0: it's um... like tommy meatballs or something like that like, <laughs> like it's,
2: it is, it's so
1: i believe catchy. that it's very you can't like... i think that's the gemini sag thing where it's like it's not even necessarily true it's not even necessarily this, but it is like <laughs> right. fun it's funny in the moment and you kind of can't get like can't escape mm-hmm. it anymore it's like it's in there they, well, they coined it yeah. or something yeah, yeah. i yeah. also like... feel like it's again going back to
4: mars it's burns it's like mm, roast right. jokes, yeah. you know. Their, their yeah, responses. Another,
1: another or less very
0: like fifth grade, like bullied sort of humor. But there's still like that's that is a version of like the, the comedy archetype, or that's like a piece of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, that's the Gemini, Gemini Sun, Sag Moon. We also see the flip of this. Tiffany Haddish is someone who has Sagittarius Sun, Gemini Moon, uh, and I think that that's like a let more of a big big personality who also can say things that's less kind of like personally attacking and more like this is who I am and I can kind of say whatever I want. And that also can kind of like catapult someone.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she also sure. has,
1: yeah, I was like, she also has that Mercury-Uranus conjunction, which I mean, to me mm. is pure, pure comedy. But I also, and she has this T-square then two to all of this Virgo stuff up at the top, which I think so, is, uh, yeah.
0: So let's just describe it for people listening to the audio version. So she has the moon at 10 degrees of Gemini and the sun at 10 Sag, and it's squaring her Mars at five Virgo and Jupiter at nine Virgo.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that- Another that, that, Mars Virgo T
2: squared. Yeah, it's wild.
1: Yeah. And I think that that is that like meteoric rise. I also think that we see that Jupiter in fall there too, which is the thing that's like- not necessarily it's a big it's a big ascension, but not necessarily the way that you want to or in a way that makes you open to criticism. I think I've noticed also as a trend uh, in comedians who have Jupiter in detriment.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: So let's go back to because that was a really interesting and important point because we're we're seeing different manifestations of comedy through different planetary combinations. And one of the ones we were just talking about was like Mars and Mars's role in the, in comedy and how that might be tied in with, like, that feeling of like killing or, um, you know, or comedy bits that are biting or have this acerbic nature, like roasts, for example, like would be a very Mars thing where you're actually mm-hmm. actively sort of, you know, almost like attacking somebody, but doing it in a comedic way so it's making people laugh or you're sort of like tearing somebody down. Uh, but doing it in the context of comedy and in some controlled contexts, that's kind of like okay or is permissible. Like, for example, in the context of a roast.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think,
4: well, in a roast, technically, too, I think, I mean, now roast battle has changed that a little bit where it used to be like an honor um, where you're honoring one person and everyone kind of goes through the dais and roasts somebody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because there is, it happens in a way where there is a little bit of back and forth. People kind of talk about each other that are on the panel or whatever. And of course the person you're honoring. Um, but now in Roast Battle, it's very much like like a fight, like, hey, a these battle. people are going up against each other.
0: That's a really good point. And that actually, even outside of Roasts, there's also like, like um, comedy battles or where two comedians are just like going at each other. And then sometimes that being judged or that's been a really popular format over the past decade, it seems like.
3: Mhm.
1: Totally. Yeah. That's interesting too. thinking of it being very Mars as like a personal planet and these being personal attacks too instead of like you're saying Lisa the kind of like honorable roast attack which is on someone's long and storied career or you know relevance this way instead of I think now the roast or even comedian kind of like beefs with each other are very personal, <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. very ad hominem. I think it's also just Mars's energy too. You know, you want we've all been at long stand-up shows and then someone just comes on and like comes like a bat out of hell. And you're just like, Whoa, Like you, you have your, the stage brought some life into you and you're then bringing life into your audience too. I didn't think about like Mars is just kind of mm-hmm. kind of like popped its way into the, the comedy chat, like Mercury, Mercury makes a lot of sense, but I'm- yeah, Mars and Uranus are, are, are holding court.
1: Another
4: person, if mm. you look at it from the comedian's perspective too, no matter what your level of ability is, like comedy is happening for you on stage in the physical body. And it's mm. like, there are things you don't learn how to control your foot tapping for a long time or your hands shaking and those things. And it is to me, that is so Martian that you are mm. like, I'm here, I'm here in my body. I have to be present. I have to be here.
1: Well, even mm-hmm. thinking about talking for an hour, I mean, we do it on podcasts and that's, I think, it is an endurance, uh, activity. You don't necessarily think of that because you just think of someone, you know, talking, oh, it's not necessarily like physically active, but when you're doing an hour, you're moving in the stage. And most people who are doing hours are also doing it for a large audience and they need to be moving and addressing different sections. They're not just like sitting and standing and, and they're, unless you're, you know, and your heart rates I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I was
3: nervous well,
4: tonight. this
1: made me think of another <laughs> manifestation of this Sag Gemini um axis with a square to Virgo in Kevin Hart's chart. It's not Sun, it's not his Sun, but he has Moon and Sag Mars and Gemini, um, which are in opposition to each other, both square. Uh his Mars, I mean his yeah, his Mars, Mars Square Saturn. Sorry, maybe I'm looking at my wrong notes. Let me pull them up. Um I know he has Virgo. Here it is. Yeah. Uh, it was just taking me a
0: minute to pull up the chart. No, it's Kevin like Virgo. Hart. Just a time. Virgo rising.
1: With... That's Saturn.
0: Yeah. So also, has, just uh, a just lot seven. of
1: a lot. Sorry, a lot of the charts mm-hmm.
2: have been so um one-sided. <laughs> like mm-hmm. a lot of the times, it's we haven't seen too many splays. Not to say that there's probably not some in the mix, but just the folks who've come up so far have been very like all mm-hmm. in one sort of uh, quadrant or or hemisphere. It's like been a lot of concentration in one chunk. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm.
4: interestingly too, uh, I didn't know he was a cancer son, but. I do find that cancer son comedians talk about their families,
3: mm-hmm. um,
4: and I'm just thinking of one recent Kevin Hart bit. Maybe doesn't do it that much, but he talks about going to the school um, and like a PTA meeting and stuff. Very funny. Uh, mm-hmm. But Fluffy's another cancer son who it's like he talks about <laughs> his son and his wife, and that I just I think that's interesting.
3: Mm-hmm. I think Fluffy's know. a yeah. cancer. That's of course, oh, yeah. His yeah, name is, is. Yeah. <laughs> Fluffy.
1: <laughs> of course he is, and he did one of the biggest shows in his hometown. Yeah. Wow. Mm.
2: And did
1: he have a Kinsidera
3: for his chihuahua? His chihuahua? Yes. So
0: cancer. So cancer. So I think one of the things we're coming up with then is that it's not that there's going to be certain placements that will mean like only comedians have this placement or something like that, but rather a person's chart is going to reflect their style of comedy as well as some of the topics that they'll tend to gravitate towards as well as their style of delivery
4: hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, evident so. in a lot with sun signs. I mean, you know, if we think of it as identity, Taurus comedians tend to be observational. I mean, you can kind of look at them. I know uh Bill Burr has a cancer rising. I think he seems very everyman to every you know, people feel mm. like they know him.
2: He's very, I don't know,
3: salt mm, of the mm-hmm. earth. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking
2: I, of Seinfeld as the Taurus with Seinfeld. observation. Nathan mm-hmm. Fielder's a very Ugh.
4: observational in a different artistic. Definitely a different way than Seinfeld, but he's still observing.
2: Yeah. Letting people sort of um, letting it breathe and like letting people kind of show their own asses, if you will. hmm Oh, and that so, Mars-Mercury. Oh, well, my. I mean, Mars? Yet again.
0: Bill Burr's chart. And we have another um, full moon with the moon in Sagittarius opposite wow. of the sun, mm-hmm. Venus and Mars in Gemini.
1: And That's trippy. I mean, not, not exactly, but squaring that Pluto, I mean, by, by sign energy, I think that having that, you know, Uranus, Uranus Pluto mm-hmm. on the IC, not again, not, not by degree squaring that axis, but I think we still see the influence of the like nitpicky that, and again, another person who like it, had a hit a moment. And I Earth. think
4: also Speaking of cancer stuff, I mean, he helps other comedians and from what I've heard is very generous to them when they open for him. Um, He definitely I've heard, I won't say where, but like asks, do you want me to watch you? Which Mm -hmm. I think that's
1: a really nice thing to do for somebody mm-hmm. nurturing and yeah. and supportive. And also thinking of like I mean just like literally calling him crabby I think is very apt. <laughs> and he gets like red in he the gets face red, exactly. like, it's like yeah. getting all red like that too? <laughs> yes.
0: So you're, you're saying that cuz he has cancer rising? Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> like yeah. A crab. I think that's like how he would. Um uh But well, with and- a fire moon too like real steamy steamy mm-hmm. crab energy. Mhm. On this aquatic uh on this aquatic tip I think an interesting on both of these things we're talking about the rising sign and also delivery and all this Ellen DeGeneres I think has a really interesting chart for her oh I haven't looked at Ellen's Um, chart before she's a Pisces rising and uh is best known for playing a fish I would say now not always throughout her career (laughs) but one of her biggest roles was a fish um or do you have her not a Pisces rising or do we not have a birth time
0: um i don't know i have it for some reason as a noon chart which is usually mm. when, I, when i don't know the time but mm. it depends i
1: think we had her on our list as a pisces rising so i could also be hey Let me check. we might have to
0: um but that's We're worth gonna... discussing just in terms of i liked the point about bill burr and like his appearance sometimes when he's giving comedy and sometimes like how somebody comes off or what their appearance is in style in an in initial presentation versus their sort of like internal way of processing things and their inter- internal monologue or way of interpreting things that might be more associated with other planets like the sun or the moon or what have you.
2: Mm-hmm. I think too with that set back to his like Sag Moon was in the six. I feel like that very like hands up like why are you doing the things you're doing is <laughs> very Sag Moon six stuff of like, I can't comprehend why you all do things this way. I think he talks in these very big picture Society at large, and if we all just did this thing sort of differently, it's not luxury though. Like there's always still like a sweetness to him, but it is like it's it, like everything ends with like you idiots basically. in in the context, I think it's also funny
1: that he usually says I'm an idiot.
3: Mm, he softens, he disarms also, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I
1: think is not is both cancer and sag moon yeah, to me. He's calling them this. idiots when he's saying I'm like I'm an this idiot. is this is very much my idea and that uh gemini sag kind of access to to me is very much like my truth obviously we're speaking about big philosophical truths too when we're thinking of sagittarius but i do think that with the with the cancer where it's like this is this is me this is how i feel but also what do i know
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. well, the ability especially so with his cancer rising and mercury and cancer and just cancer something might be the ability to be self-deprecating you know, as opposed to let's say the opposite of that, which would be like self aggrandizing, which would be more of like a Leo thing or maybe a Sagittarius thing.
2: Or even Capricorn mm-hmm. on the flip side, too. Like maybe is not as braggy, but more factual. Like I've done this, I have this cred to back up whatever it is I'm talking about. But we see Capricorn, sure. I feel like a lot too. Maybe a sign we haven't talked much about, but I feel like there's a lot of Capricorn comedians and Capricorn moon. I know we've talked on our podcast about. A through line of like Capricorn having that sort of dark. I'm thinking of like Sarah Silverman, like as a, mm-hmm. g- a dark sense of humor or yeah. just like a little twisted. And yeah, Cap Moon seemed to be it's a placement we would see. But now we've been seeing all these Saj I'm like, what the why the hell am I talking about Cap well, Moons
3: over here now?
1: Sarah Silverman and Richard Pryor, I believe, are the same birthday and mm. both sad son Cap Moon as mm-hmm. as am i no big deal um
3: i yes, don't want to say that i'm also amongst royalty pantheon,
1: but but we are you know we are what we are um <laughs> and i think that you know with sarah there's so much, this is like one side so so heavy and i but i also think that that like i don't know let's talk about sarah
3: Mm-hmm. yeah I
0: like to think so the Capricorn and Saturn part is important because um, Saturn can be really good at being critical and seeing the flaws in things mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as well as well as sometimes having a tendency towards seeing the darker side of life or things that are some people can consider to be morbid. Um, and that's something that Capricorn and Scorpio share in common. So those that might be a good area for us to explore here for a little bit, which is just that ability either to be highly critical or to focus on things that other people might consider like dark.
2: Mhm, mm-hmm. totally. well, just I'm thinking of Sarah now, too, of having her one era of her stand up be about how she wet the bed for a very long time, and I think there is that like Capricorn. I should have not done this by now, but I did not, so now I'm gonna really put this on display in a very critical but heart like like reflective, harsh love back towards a sort of like inner child. I also think too, yeah. Uh, the, maybe the first person we've talked about that also incorporated music it like singing you know bringing out the mm-hmm. guitar I think she also has that very,
1: neptune mm-hmm. neptune in there
2: I think it's very like cap that can be kind of cap because it's like hmm, maybe I can sing my feelings and then they won't be as um vulnerable or something or like as as real
0: that brings up also sometimes like Sarah sometimes in her earlier comedy was would go there with like almost like gross out humor or almost got a kick out of like kind of grossing people out sometimes with things that you normally maybe wouldn't talk about in a stand-up mm-hmm. set and totally. so for the audio listeners she has uh Sagittarius rising with the sun and Mercury and Sag along with Neptune but the ruler of her ascendant is Jupiter, which is in Scorpio in the 12th house with mm-hmm. Venus mm-hmm. opposite to Saturn in Taurus. And then the moon is in Capricorn in the second whole sign house.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also think that Neptune, I mean, zero degrees Sag to me is very sacrilegious and also very um, like, I don't know. She does she does a lot of critique about religion and and those kinds of things like delu- and but also plays someone. Her character is kind of... A delusional character, which I think is very Mm -hmm. Neptune conjunct the ascendant in Sagittarius, like very, you know, she both is like, there is no God, but also I am God. And in, in several ways in both like material and character. And I think that's very, that's very fitting. Mm -hmm. I also think that that Capricorn moon, and maybe this is like, not, not true, but I guess it's like the cardinal of being able to be, I'm thinking of her as like being a woman who is kind of singular Singularly successful in a way that other women aren't. And I don't want to say that that's just Capricorn moon, but I think being able to excel, excel in a male dominated field and also being the kind of only the first um, is also, I don't know, just interesting.
2: Well, she's like hangs with the boys, like historically, mm-hmm. like the Gary. Now I'm thinking about what I got, I've got to see Gary Shanley's chart now is where my mind just went. Cause now I'm, I'm thinking of like what a manifester hi, he I was. And I think pi- they had a crossover too. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I think a really wild card Capricorn is Andy Kaufman. I oh totally I think I mean, it's definitely experimental and all of those things. But think of him just reading a book like page by page at a thing just to like incense people or, you know, to to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that yeah, yeah that's an interesting... holding
1: committing to the bit is yeah very holding Capricorn it as long as me. possible. Oh my God, just... the Saturn
4: moon
2: conjunction mm-hmm. look at that
0: so describe it
2: oh, So we have this uh virgo moon conjunct saturn um in the second house with his leo rising we're looking at andy kaufman capricorn sun um leo rising yeah.
3: rising conjunct pluto
2: too so like yeah, that, he would punish Pluto's the audience right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah. The pluto, yeah pluto
0: is right on the ascendant and that can be really good for like sticking with something because leo is already like a fixed sign but um yeah pluto there can give you like real staying power at the same time and that's opposite to mercury at 16 aquarius and mars at 10 degrees of aquarius and a,
1: mercury mag- aquarius. a magnetism too
4: yeah mm-hmm. and i think mercury aquarius i mean the, the voices like doing weird mm-hmm. out of out of i don't know something
2: totally mm-hmm. comes to me hmm yeah, just a weird. I mean, just a weirdo. You know, like he was. Yeah. He was the OG weirdo. And I always think if anyone would try to be Kaufman s now, we would just be like, he's done it first. Like, there's also something just you broke this mold. But it's wild to think Jim Carrey too is also a Capricorn. Actually, he-
4: I wrote that in there, and I, he's a he's a um, he's a Gemini. Gemini son, but isn't he Cap rising? Cap rising, yes. Wait, wait, wait. No, he's Jim- a Capricorn. He's a Capricorn son. Yeah. Oh. Cash-
1: Jim Carrey's I was charts. like I had a why do I have a I
4: difference? had a Gemini
1: chart somewhere too okay oh
4: this is Jim Carrey I'm sorry the hockey player if I uh, know we're, we're all familiar <laughs> clearly oh yeah the, we're all familiar the with,
1: more famous um, Jim
4: Carrey
3: how can Carrey, we James
2: can. Carrey <laughs> yeah
4: because oh he well, he
3: famously
2: stayed in character too when he played Andy Kaufman yeah, for yeah. man on the moon and like would not release and I think if I saw that chart right, also had like some Leo placements going well, on that with that Capricorn. 29
1: degree, Opposite Leo Uranus too. That no. conjunct the midheaven. I mm-hmm. mean, talk yeah. about that to me is like very powerful manifesting, right? Literally, write your own check, which is his famous story where he wrote himself a check for a million dollars, had it up on the wall forever, and was like, one day I'll be able to cash this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that like quincunx Capricorn, we've talked about this a lot on our podcast as so kind of those like aspects that aren't. Aren't traditional aspects, but are that like je ne sais quoi about someone? And I think that Leo Capricorn are very powerful, like achieving mm-hmm. energies. And I think Jim Carrey is both like respected as a comedian because of how far he was able to push himself and what he was willing to do to be a character and and literally would go to like physical lengths and all of that too. But also I would say has been was at one point I think the highest paid actor. Uh, mm-hmm. and and all those things. So too, I mean like systemically successful and also uh i don't know what's the what's the word i mean he really just was a
2: breakout everybody like i feel like mm-hmm. kids, kids would be jim carrey at least mm-hmm. like growing up they'd be like i'm doing the jim carrey face or like and that signature right. style that was very mm-hmm. emulated and to well, me that that, that Uranus
3: again mm-hmm.
0: Looking at his chart, he has Saturn right at um one degree of Aquarius. And he just has this whole group of planets of the Sun, Venus, and Mars.
3: Mars again in, mm-hmm.
0: in, in late Capricorn, and then Saturn, Jupiter, Mercury in the South Node in Aquarius. And um, you know, that means that he would have been going through a Saturn return in the early to mid-90s oh, when when he hit yeah. the height of his his mm-hmm. fame. So Jim Carrey's Saturn return would have been basically hitting the height of. His sort of comedic field at that point. Um, because mm-hmm. he he had that one year where like two or three of his biggest movies like all came out in the same year, I think, right? It, yeah. was, like, was, Ventura, it was like Ace Ventura, like Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber. I think it was Dumb like all Dumber. of the same year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Hitmaker,
4: so that, another Mercury Aquarius, weird voices, faces, those like interesting, all righty then, like those, I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> physical
1: and, I mean, the, it's the quotables too it's mm-hmm. all the, i mean yeah yeah
3: and totally. things so, culture
1: culture changing culture capturing culture defining i mean all so many quotes that i feel like people know still that's like even yeah. if they don't know where it's from they like yeah. know that quote
0: so that brings up two things one that now we've gotten into timing of him having a sad return and really um hitting that sort of high point comedically in terms of the direction that he'd been building up for several years starting as a stand-up comedian in the 80s and then going into comedy and doing skits on like in Living Color and then mm-hmm. from that parlaying that into like a huge movie career but one thing that's interesting is that he, he then would have had a sudden return in the early to mid 90s but um from a timing standpoint he seemed like he didn't he wanted to go further than that and he didn't just want to be known as a comedian or or a comedy actor mm-hmm. and remember he had that real like abrupt turn around that time yeah. period where he went into dramatic roles and he did that movie first the cable guy and then eventually um, where he was playing like a like a dark character that was like kind yes. of supposed to be funny, but it was actually much more kind of dark and disturbing and then eventually into much more serious dramatic roles with um, like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and
2: things of, like that. Truman Show, mm-hmm. which was also very, you know, voyeuristic and being this sort of this being this performing monkey too of sort, you know,
1: like we want you to just be this guy. And I feel like those roles really reflected well, just I rebellion. Th- I think that's Mm -hmm. very Capricorn, too, of kind of reaching a pinnacle in your category and then needing to move on to the next thing, because then we get to late in life career, Jim Carrey, who's like, actually, now I'm an artist and Uh uh, like a spiritual person. (laughs) And I'm actually like, not, not funny at all. I'm very... Zen now he's just again. gonna voice on right. the weekend's
2: new album because they're actually neighbors and they met and became friends and he was like, sure, I'll do the radio announcer voice on your album, but only because we happen to live next door and be friends with each other, yeah. which is pretty wild. And I'm just, he's just gonna draw like crude drawings of like George W. Bush on Twitter. Very third, very
3: well,
4: third,
1: well, yeah. neighbors, you know, yeah, I
4: totally. Think Saturn returns to are such an interesting time, and for comedians, I know we've talked about on our podcast. Eddie Murphy giving up comedy um, Mm -hmm. during his Saturn return and attempting to return to stand up during his second Saturn return. However, COVID-19 thwarted that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, He also fathered his first child during his Saturn return. And uh, there's a number of other comics who've had big career changes happen during their Saturn return. I think John Mulaney's first Emmy win is like two degrees from his sat- natal saturn we don't have a time either so it's not like maybe the most accurate mm-hmm. but um him and uh i think Bo burnham's inside uh happened while saturn was in this same sign though not exactly conjunct his natal saturn
0: mm-hmm. yeah that was his saturn return um, and
4: i and see you from can... your
2: notes too chris it's like Dave cook had a gnarly saturn return mm-hmm. i was like hey right. i need to hear more about about this well,
3: gnarly and
0: even more, more recently uh pete davison i just noticed has saturn aquarius so like the past three years where pete Davidson mm. is just like constantly in the news and seemed to have hit the high point of both his career as well as his notoriety due to his personal life has yeah. been part of his saturn return
1: mm-hmm. well it's interesting thinking about comedian saturn returns because it is like what you have built your what you have built your material on then becomes like what you are known for and how does that then like what What you've been doing repetitively, also personally, professionally, whatever, is now, I don't know, public. Not for Mm -hmm. everybody, I don't think, because not everybody reaches those successful levels, but I think.
2: Well, he's a unique case, too, just how young he started,
1: like going into comedy clubs
2: underage. Like, I know that's not a totally unique story for a lot of comedians. A lot start in their teenage years, but not many people, like, skip college to go straight to SNL. Like, that's a very unique experience. Um, let me find his chart. I yeah, guess. now I'm curious. Now I got to see this chart. I got to see why. Why is he snatching up all these babes? Like, well, it's he's a, a Scorpio. Right? Scorpio. Yeah. I mean. But I need them. I need more. I need, I need to look <laughs> under the hood. <laughs> he is. He's like just a constant. Like he's just hit like a pop culture iconography. Like iconic. We know the tattoos, the the nonchalant sort of. Gravelly voice, like, though like, just like an uh, OG F boy, F boy vibes. Mm-hmm.
0: There it is. I just found it. Hold on a sec. Okay, here's his chart holding so this for is...
2: Davidson's chart. <laughs> right. no, well, obviously, Whoa, here we go.
1: This Uranus, yeah. oh my god, Uranus so Neptune conjunction,
0: untimed wow. chart. But this is Pete mm-hmm. Davidson who has a Scorpio stellium with Jupiter, Mercury, Venus, Sun, <laughs> okay. Pluto. Sun,
1: Sun Pluto to me is for sure the most kind of like intense magnetic what like we're under his spell we're powerless we're powerless before him yeah I didn't th- it's <laughs> like
2: someone I feel like you even if you're like not attracted
1: to him you meet in person you're like oh I get I get it yeah now. and just that absolute concentration of Scorpio energy yeah, to me. I'm afraid and that Venus well- in detriment <laughs> I don't like I don't like that but I mean we've seen it in the news <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he doesn't like it either. Well, in his,
0: with that um conjunction of the Sun and Pluto and that squaring Saturn and Aquarius, but he, of course, early on, when it was early in his stand-up career and doing some of the roasts, famously part of his background origin story is that his father had died in the mm-hmm. September 11th terrorist attacks. So it's like that's a little bit reflected in there in terms of some of the pain and stuff that he had surrounding that growing up. But then at the same time, Later, for example, during roasts, that was one of the things that was unique, is like his ability to still um embrace that and like allow there to be jokes about that and things like that, which seemed like darker morbid, but it was mm-hmm. an interesting um example of of like the strength and like resilience of somebody to like go on and have success and um to, to move past a hard tragedy and still be a comedian and being able to be successful in that.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. very also- legacy oriented too, going back to like New York and firefighting. Then he made a movie, which we can if we can talk off mic about that movie, but with featuring Bill Burr. But like going back to like who he is is very at the meat, at the meat of it all. I think too with Scorpio Sun, it's uh
4: he is pretty open about having been in rehab and using mm-hmm. like illicit substances and I think it's kind of that taking the darkness and bringing it to light kind of stuff, that openness that sometimes occurs, I think. Also, obviously, mysterious, you know, mm-hmm. obviously drugs and stuff is something you hide often.
1: Um, so I think that's like an interesting uh, oh. observation. I think mm-hmm. also having that Neptune-Uranus-Uranus. Um, other people's projections and also kind of being capturing a capturing an ideal of like, like you said, the F boy of like, and also like sad, broken, whatever, and having that be your whole persona. And then how that then is like, well, if that's how everybody sees me, then I'm absolutely going to lean into that. If that's all I can be is this and how that's also it's potent and it is useful, but I think it also can be like time. And degrading on him as a person too. And I think that it will be interesting to see like post Saturn return when he maybe hopefully learns um, to like, I don't know, take care of himself in a better way or like be, be more, I don't know, vulnerable, continue that streak of vulnerability, but in a maybe more like emotionally tender Something mm-hmm. kind of way. What am I learning about life? How am I beyond this thing? This is this is who I was up until this point And I get to decide who I am now going forward and what my life is. I'm not just defined by how my dad died and all of the women that I've been with. Julie, mm-hmm. I
4: never thought I'd hear you say something so beautiful about me. Too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: waxing poetic
4: about hey that's
1: right that's right. mercury scorpion Can't wait to see him grow up and become the tender man i am you're (laughs) digmatized listen your girl your girl loves (laughs) men okay (laughs) (laughs) i will always i always want the best for men okay
0: um so going back what was the really quickly lisa what was the eddie murphy saturn return thing oh yeah oh
4: um you know, he stopped, he said on Mark Maron. And so we don't have like an exact date, but he stopped doing comedy at 27. Um, uh-huh. I have, there's a, a doc at the bottom that has just a bunch of info about him with dates. He definitely fathered his first children during his Saturn return and took a big gap from performing. And then again on, on Mark Maron said he was coming back to stand up. This is right you know, right before COVID happened. So he wasn't actually able to, but it would have been around the time of his second Saturn return. So I think okay. it's interesting to like, you know, take that big of a break, have this thing happen. You know, he's getting on stage. People are yelling out, do this, do that. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Saturn cycle comes back and it's like, I think I want to try it
2: again. Like truly right. like one of the biggest stars mm-hmm. in the world in his in his era like did he have a mid heaven too i'm thinking of his like yeah. iconic
1: oh you know red jacket looks the like fashion the, mm-hmm. well also has that uranus and leo like jim carrey of that i think just like oh, star, right. star power and culture changing uh persona where it's again we're like his both his stand-up but also starring in movies and that you know thinking the of leo movies. leo being the very kind of like actor performer archetype too
0: and he was mm-hmm. so young when he did some of his biggest mm-hmm. specials in the 80s. Like, he was only in his, like, early to mid-20s yeah, or something, wasn't yeah. he?
1: Yeah. I do think that that, well, we talked about Bo Burnham, too. I think that he has that, Um, we call it the cap trap. Um, And yeah. I think that they're also, maybe it's uh, something about youth and quickness, too. I think that, like, Uranian influence there. But I think something that's interesting about Bo Burnham, and I think we see that then reflected in his Saturn return and inside too, is that he is one of the first comedians who's been completely in control of his own like creation and oh. distribution for all of his career. Unlike other comedians who was really able to, um, capitalize on having, yeah, having ownership and kind of that like vertical monopoly on both the creation and posting. And then that being, I would say absolutely indicative of why he is like a wunderkind, rise to rise to success,
2: which he is hilarious also, looking at, which is hilarious looking at this chart too, because we've talked so much about Mars and then you just see this Taurus Mars, mm-hmm. like away from everything else being like, and actually I'm going to do it at my own pace. Well, my and own we bet you think of singing,
1: singing and being mostly video and not necessarily yeah. not, not that he's not a live performer, but he's not someone that you are like seeing out at clubs all of the time that very much likes to create in an insular way mm-hmm. on his own pace doing his own things he's also doing other people's projects but i would say it's a much slower pace than than say a uh, traditional stand up mm-hmm. i also
4: think i mean inside I, I assume we've all seen it i don't know but it is just this oh i can't go outside you're coming inside like you're going to see what's in here in my house and it's like whoa okay like that's such a quick solution no one else came to that like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it took him a long time. I'm not saying he just like made it happen right away, but that is a, that is a huge piece of art.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that special insight out that he recorded during the pandemic and during the lockdowns, it was very, a great example of Saturn return. Cause it was very like introspective and like self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And that's a very common thing that you go through during the Saturn return is like sometimes looking inwards and thinking about all of your flaws or all the parts where you don't Meet up to a certain um, expectation or, or something like that, and you go through this phase, and then eventually, sort of a dark night of the soul phase, and then eventually, at the end of it, you kind of emerge from it into this new thirty-year cycle, having closed down the first thirty-year cycle of your life. And I, um, that reminds me, there was another Saturn return that was famously like that, which was um, Donald Glover, who mm-hmm. um, had his has a Saturn in Scorpio, and he went through. He actually reminds me a lot of Bo Burnham's chart because. Um, Bo Burnham has that um Mercury and Virgo in the 10th house. And there's something about Mercury and Virgo sometimes are very prominently placed Mercury where they can have like many different skills or really excel mm-hmm. in several several different areas or several different fields. Um, and uh Donald Glover certainly has that where he has Virgo oh. rising and Mercury on the ascendant and Virgo. Mm-hmm. And he's just somebody that has um, excelled and found success in like several different fields, in like comedy, in um, and and in skit writing, directing, music, directing music, um, acting. Yeah. So he's just like it's like the modern like equivalent of somebody that's like a not like a Renaissance man. Maybe that's taking a little too far, but somebody that that is skilled in like multiple different professions.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think it's interesting for both of them too, being people who were largely. Successful from a young age to having a Saturn return where they're having to contend with not necessarily the way that I think a lot of people have their Saturn return where it's like this is the first time that they are re- receiving kind of recognition or reaching some sort of pinnacle or getting getting to a next step. What happens when you have reached all this? Where do you go from there? And I think that often has to be very deep and um like more personal as opposed to professional.
2: Mm-hmm. I think yeah. once they got so famous and, palatable i'm thinking of like donald glover with community it was community right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like network star and then being like actually here's the this is america music video and atlanta is a very it's like it's high art like it's like Mm -hmm. no don't i can do this and i can be very liked but also like valuing that sort of art and not being so expected or just like you could easily just go on path and do so many corny roles, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's like now that he would have been like offer only, you know, like easy, sure, you got it. But he just does mm-hmm. like, oh, I have this base. Same with Bo Burnham with like eighth grade and like now directing all these other different things. It's like, oh, cool, I have the base, and now I can take this and do what I
1: maybe really want to do. I'm I'm making an assumption there. It's really what they want to do, but probably. Well, and yeah. helping and helping other comedians to mm-hmm. producing other people's work and being like, what else? I mean, I've made I can make anything I want. What does someone else want to make that I can I can make possible with my star power? Totally. There, there can
0: also sometimes during the Saturn return be a process of um pulling back, like sometimes pulling back from mm. society or disappearing a little bit, which is interesting. Because I remember during um, during Donald Glover's Saturn Return, there were he he sort of like disappeared off the radar for like ten months or like a year or something, so that there started being articles written about like why did he disappear and where is he and what is he doing, and then he suddenly like started posting on social media again, and he was posting all these like really introspective reflections and stuff. But one of them that he was he posted was. I hope people don't continue to judge me for some of the jokes or the bad skits that I did in the past, because he had some oh. skits that were like, mm. like YouTube skits with his comedy troupe originally that were like a little edgy at the time, but they like didn't age very well. And that's an interesting topic, just in terms of um, sometimes Saturn transits and people coming to terms with mistakes from the past and
3: mm-hmm. wow. um, yeah. how they want
0: to how they want to move forward after that. But it was like once he came back from that into the public light, then he dropped like one of his first albums. And then he really started becoming successful as a musician, not long after his Saturn return.
3: I Bo think
4: Burnham's, that's a good. In, Bo Burnham's inside has that too. Uh, he has yeah. like an apology song and definitely <laughs> Eddie Murphy's Saturn return. There's that's his only gap, his first Saturn return and his IMDb. Mm-hmm. There's a gap. And I mean, some of the other stuff is voices and cartoons, not necessarily big picture, huge production films that he's starring in or anything, but That is like a gap. Of course, he had kids, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to
2: at some point take time off. But yeah, he has like a little gap there as well. I was going to say, I'm sure all these folks have stuff that did not age well at some point
3: in in their career
2: in some way or another, just like most humans, because hopefully everyone's like learned and grown. But also when you have so much light on you and spotlight, I think it's I think it's really cool to even do that, to even like acknowledge like, yeah, the shit I made. That's like not really me anymore. And well, here's here's a new a reintroduction to myself. Many
1: of us were fortunate enough to work out our new our early material in rooms where no one was recording anything and where it was mm-hmm. just your fellow comedians. And um I think now some people intentionally, like a Bo Burnham who, you know, put things on YouTube and were doing all of that, but so much stuff can be archived and saved and is is dedicated to recording in some fashion that I think this is going to be a trend we're definitely going to see for people going forward and it is just something to consider and not necessarily good or bad but just a reality of the the landscape now. Mm -hmm. Someone who has a Saturn return coming up is Chris Rock. Oh um, Oh, which I think is, is interesting. And uh,
0: with him, we have to be a little careful because my friend Patrick Watson just told me today because I wanted to use him. But there's some like question about his birth year, or there's some Mm. debate about it. It's probably still roughly going to be his Saturn return, um, but it's just something to be careful about because there's some performers. This was an issue actually with Eminem as well, where sometimes (laughs) when a when somebody's like really young, um, a group the the their like managers will either um put their b- birth year to make them older or if they're a little bit too old mm-hmm. for like the age group totally. that they're mar- marketing to i think with eminem they said that he was actually younger than he was um so that's something to be aware of sometimes with like certain like birth data research yeah that makes sense
2: with the entertainment industry in general yeah. too i remember like alexa yeah. demi from euphoria maybe not a comedian but you know, had age was really blurry. And then people are like, I have the yearbook. I can prove that they graduated <laughs> in this year. I love that.
0: <laughs> um, so one of the things that came up though was that's like seems like it's just a constant thing now in any comedy podcast, or at least in certain comedy podcasts, which is in like the recent climate of a lot of the comedians are pushing for things like a, like free speech or seem to have a real thing about wanting to have the ability to be free to make jokes about anything or to say mm-hmm. anything. And the ability to not um, have limits on comedy. And I've been trying to understand where that archetype is, if it's like a, a Mercury thing of just freedom to, to speak, if it's a Mercury Uranus thing in terms of like not wanting to be restricted or something, but it seems like it's a major discussion mm-hmm. um, amongst See- comedians these days.
4: Do you mean that comedy is a spooky haunted house? <laughs> 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 Whitney Cummings said that on Twitter as a defensive, oh, yeah, a defensive <laughs> free speech that this is supposed to take you on a ride. Kind of, I'm making oh. it. Sound I thought Chris more was. Gonna, I thought Chris <laughs> was going to pull up a clip of our
2: podcast for a second. I was like, I'm
4: getting scared. <laughs> I was and like, oh, no. like, stand,
1: stand, by this. Yes or
3: no?
2: No. And
1: I was like, uh, no. I'll, I'll go with the no. Are we talking I about Rogan? We must. I be think a it's bit. honestly no. Well. I think yeah. it's more yeah. <laughs> Saturnian. If I'm being honest, I think if I'm being honest, I don't know why I said it like that for this, For, the, for this, but <laughs> I think, I think we have had Saturn in Saturn signs and there have been real consequences for things people have said in a way mm. that there never was before. And that is both mm. by the format that has allowed people to exponentially grow their platforms that, that now there are people that are seeing them and judging them that were are not explicitly in an audience to see them or something and there just are different consequences for what you're saying in term instead of an art form that has largely been if you weren't in the room you didn't hear it and you could kind of get away with saying more outrageous things mm. or saying or also this kind of um I also think that there's this idea of it being like we're commit we're joking don't take anything seriously but anything kind of taken out of context or seen something not to say that that's Right or wrong, but I think that comedy is not seen in the same context that it usually is, which was very much on purpose with an intended kind of audience or like in the in the moment. And I think that that's that like Sag Gemini to me of like saying what whatever you need to to kind of like get what you need in that moment. That's very that. But I think that there is there's just consequence and things are literally written and archived that's very saturnian to me but also people saying like a kind of a scolding uh uh I don't know, getting getting in trouble in this sort of way. And I think that it's less that comedy is like, people also still can say whatever they want. None of these people have been deplatformed. These people, in fact, have the biggest audience. and yeah, like has They're making a ton of money. Anyone <laughs> has <laughs> ever had it Anytime It has never been more like lucrative. To free speech, you're not getting arrested. Saying, yes. You're not getting jailed. Yes. Well, we, if we want to talk about someone who like was free speech and wanted to stand for that, let's talk about George Carlin. These people that are talking about mm, Lenny, Burst, season, yeah, Lenny yeah, Bruce, it's people like, who literally got arrested for saying things on principle for saying these are things that we are not allowed to say legally they literally changed the legal system of the united states with their comedy these are people that want to say things that like
3: are being like oh you can't we can can
1: say we don't like what you say either make it funnier or don't say it
0: so george carlin's thing was he had a a a bit or an act about like the words that you're not allowed to say. And he got arrested for that at one point
1: or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. This was based on a Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce being arrested for the same thing um, about 10 years prior. And I think George Carlin was there allegedly like when he was arrested, but he, he said the seven words you can't say on television, it's documented on a comedy album called class clown. And um, he was arrested at a live performance of this in a Milwaukee Summerfest.
2: Uh, I love Summerfest.
1: Uh, yeah, so he performed, <laughs> he opened. Oh, the Wisconsinites I- were not having it. You know that <laughs> yeah. for sure.
2: And he Midwestern- did- I can say it, Midwesterners, they are barely saying heck, you know? So I imagine that really moved the needle. Shout out to anyone who's listening
1: I, to the Midwest. I don't even think he necessarily did the bit. He just was using profanity and they said this was a family event and so you can't do that. And so- He was arrested, but it went on to be part of a Supreme Court case. um, Wow. Find this Pacifica Pacifica Foundation, FCC versus Pacifica. Um, And we like got there eventually it took years, obviously, but um like legal precedent was changed his album is in is like in the national archive for historical significance because these are the seven words and it led to these landmark cases it's still something that's like argued today i think it actually is like maybe not even decided um there's several articles about this that i Skimmed. <laughs> I have a badge through and through. Um, so
0: that's that's interesting though, in terms of like the bounds of comedy and like what's permissible in a comedic context in certain times or mm-hmm. places or cultures mm-hmm. or or time frames versus what's not. Um, and also like the nature of what's in good taste being somewhat contextual, as well as um, I know even today there's different comedians, like it's often is sometimes remarked up, upon how Seinfeld prefers not to curse in his comedy that he mm-hmm. does like a quote unquote, like a clean act in terms of not using curse words. And when asked about that once, um, one of the reasons he gave was he said that it f- felt too easy for him, that it's too easy to get a, a joke or a laugh out of a curse word. Whereas it's much harder if you don't do that and use it as like a, a crutch was part of his, his like rationale.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. I was seeing Seinfeld live and, um, I, you know, I wasn't a huge like fan or whatever. I watched the show. He's I know he's one of the greats, Um, but I was blown away. He did. He ran on stage, did an hour and a half and ran off like he had so much energy. And he was 61 when I saw him. And he made an effort to the first hour just be all Seinfeld style observation. And then the last half hour was a little bit more loose, still not profane in any way still clean but about his family and about observations within his personal life which I thought was a really uh just a really fun thing to watch someone actually oh yeah you want to give me a challenge yeah I'll take it it's very tourist I think he I'm curious where in the chart
2: is his anti-hugging stance he's very (laughs) anti-hugging there's a great clip of Kesha trying to give him a hug and he's like no 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 so I'm curious I'm curious where he uh his no-touching policy oh, well which we could talk about on a different level but i <laughs> where... think he's
1: so he's so earthy to me and i think there's like an efficiency in terms of like he works very hard and admittedly in terms of like crafting jokes working on that and to have it be something that can then go from stage to screen can be pre- performed anywhere why would you kind of like adjust yourself and that's also very tourist to me of too that, is yeah
4: my comfort
1: yeah. A you know, show about it's nothing. His
4: comfort level.
1: hmm. hmm. There was another, there was a quote too of of something about like Taurus being si- simple and like succinct. All, not, not, mm-hmm. Yeah. All of that, where I think that that is, it is that, whatever. Whatever you feel about cursing, it does elicit responses in people that's different than that it is also distracting from the material potentially. Sometimes I think it's more punctuation and this and it it fits it fits the comedian, but I think Jerry Seinfeld cursing, we'd all go like, no, we don't well, like and also it.
2: the money like yeah. you're gonna hit a wider yep. audience if you can yep. perform anywhere. you could be your material works in any space and kids can understand it and adults will also enjoy it hmm now that i'm but saying ch- he's like a children's ready by well he's mean, ready to he's work- financially movie. makes sense he movie is a kid's movie yeah. movie good god
1: <laughs> he's ready to work and that's very great <laughs> to, to me too of that where it's like this is stuff that works
3: mm-hmm.
0: so that brings up other things like one is like um issues of like luck and fortune and timing mm. and some sometimes people just being in the right place in the right time at the right place and being incredibly lucky like seinfeld to a certain extent with just get landing that um, show uh, with Larry David and the way that they were able to like get that and then um, become wildly successful and eventually have like the most popular show on Hollywood or on television. And then um, also other themes like when a person hits the peak of their career um, or sometimes peaks. And there's occasionally there's people that are like widely, Um, Like Seinfeld, for example, hitting the peak uh, with that in the 1990s with um, his TV show and being like widely um, applauded versus like sometimes it's interesting seeing a person like a comedian hitting the high point in their career. And being the most successful or the most widely recognized, but also having some of the greatest hardships at that time. Like, for example, I think of like like Carlos Mencia, who was a, accused of like joke stealing during that time, or um, Dane Cook, for example, who even though he was selling out stadiums and stuff, like he was being kind of like heckled by other comedians as like not being good or or or, or something like that.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of it for Seinfeld, at least for me, and, you know, you, this came from my mouth and I heard it somewhere. So, But, <laughs> like, I've heard that Larry David and Jerry won't sue people for the use of, like, the logo. Don't, like, go sue that. Don't go make a bunch of stuff because I said this. No, make it in
2: this. the Style of Astrology but podcast. It's and the-
4: then <laughs> oh, my God. You. But it's yes. this, like,
2: they're cool about
4: it. Where I think with Dane Cook, it's like he was so like very ego forward. And mm, I don't mm-hmm. think he would have let you use his image or anything like that. So maybe there is a, a a bit of that happening. I don't know.
0: Sure. And I, with, I him, do... with him, it was weird because sometimes there can be this alignment of like all everything happening at once in a person's life. Uh, and with him, it was like he hit the high point of his career in terms of selling out audiences and making millions of dollars. But then, in very quick succession, it's like both of his parents died. I think in the same year, oh, wow. and mm-hmm. his brother ended up, um, who was his manager or business like accountant at the time, ended up ripping him off for like all of his money or for like millions of dollars. Yeah, and he ended up having to. His brother went to prison as a result of that. And that. Oh, I that didn't know that.
1: Can we see yeah. the chart?
0: Um, yeah, I'm trying to find. I it gotta right to see now. this. I know we chart don't, I was now. like, I
1: know we don't have a birth time for him. I also no. think that something with. Dane Cook or maybe maybe you do Chris I don't know your sources um the <laughs> the I think Dane Cook also was like trying to be cool and a successful comedian too and yeah. I think while you can be cool for being a comedian I think that you can't also be like a hot celebrity too. like you still are a clown at, at a certain point and I think that Dane Cook was more like I don't know what he was on, like, red carp, different red carpets and kind of in this more celebrity, which is, I think, also a a, a, a symptom of the time that he was famous to. Like, he can't help that. It was like peak tabloid kind of culture, too. But I think he was more in the mix of I think there's more hate about the like the echelon of society that he was allowed access to that comedians kind of aren't supposed to. That's getting like comedian hate. And then Brian. also kind of a higher a higher position to be judged from, whereas Seinfeld, you know, is on a TV show playing Seinfeld, being Seinfeld, being kind of himself through and through, making tons of money, being successful, creating a great show. But he wasn't trying to then be like a hot heartthrob. There's like (laughs) a thirst. There's
2: a thirst with Dane Cook that I think he knew exactly who. Like if they said like jump, it's like how high and mm-hmm. whoever his base was very particular. And I don't think he had that wide reach that Seinfeld did have being a way more and, you know well, neutral and other, sort of party.
0: The other thing is that um, he actually I think part of the criticism from other comedians with Dane Cook is that he came up way too quick and mm-hmm. he didn't go he didn't go the traditional route. He didn't have to grind as much the as chops. other people
1: well, Dane Cook because also
0: was... he um, was one of the first comedians who really utilized social media, because mm-hmm. he got Say into MySpace, right? He got into MySpace like really early on, and what he did is he had this really fascinating strategy of like adding just like hundreds and thousands of yep. people onto his friends list. So he's one of the first really successful comedians to use social media to just like explode his following like very early on or very quickly, and that's why he was able to start like selling out all of these, um, you know, like Madison Square Garden and things like that through his use of social media. And then also um, he got a little bit of hate because he had more of like a physical comedy mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. his delivery style where he was really, it was his mannerisms and his sort of like appearance and the way he would um, move on stage instead of just the jokes themselves. Sometimes it wasn't that it was a well-crafted joke, but it was like the way he delivered it was kind of unique or funny at the time.
4: Yeah, well, I was say the... a secret on this yes. podcast? I love oh, Dan Cook's comedy. Oh my loved god. It. I loved it. And I think <laughs> I, I would quote, still love it. I could quote so many Dan Cook. Books. I love oh, what, was, what
2: was the hand thing?
4: The this, Sufi? Yeah. Is this or this? I don't know. It might be the, the it, it, it was it, it, something. No, sh- I was like,
2: it's the I was like, it's this. It's that. Yeah. It was very teen boy. Yeah. Well, which also, as a teen girl at the time, loved. Because I teen, was just like, yes, I want to be around these, this shocking sort of like. Ugh. like it's all well, like think Bart that- Simpson-y but like <laughs> way, more, way more extreme so, oh, no, so okay. to
1: be to be fair he also like was I don't want to say he was cool but he was cool <laughs> he in was a young cool. in a young pop culture kind of way which is something that people always dismiss and say isn't right. as important again versus say a Seinfeld who is like you know uh, wasn't cool adult yeah <laughs> adult friendly institutionally recognized there. Um, I do know that Dane Cook has this Mercury-Uranus opposition, I think Aries Libra, which to yeah. me, I think is interesting thinking about like, it's not fair that he got this thing instead mm. of it being like, oh no, he was an in- innovator in this way and took advantage of the the platform afforded him via MySpace that anybody could have done it. I yeah, also think it, that that's it, like an argument to make for anybody where it's like, if you could have been Dane Cook, you would have been Dane Cook. Right.
0: So that was that Mercury. So he has Mercury at 15 Aries opposite to Uranus at 17 Libra. And I think that's both relevant in terms of his use and like leveraging of technology, but also on stage, like his quick sort of like jerky movements and mm-hmm, mannerisms yeah. remind me of that as well with, with that placement.
4: moon. It's so interesting to compare him to Seinfeld with the Taurus Sun.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, no, mm-hmm. he's a Pisces now. I'm like, oh, okay. One well, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, he under he did have like his his voice. It's mm-hmm. that it's not necessarily the traditional comedy voice. Again, I think that Mercury and Aries kind of being being quick, being uh childlike, if you will, not childlike, mm-hmm. but appealing to young people. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah, I mean that Neptune, Neptune, Saturn opposition too. Of that, like being the kind of mm-hmm. in that uh, Gemini Sag, again to me that also would be like, oh yeah, not getting the kind of approval that he would want from it, from comedy writ large, mm-hmm. being being a an outlier that way. But and I also think that that Jupiter in detriment again is that like super successful, but not necessarily in not. Not necessarily for the thing that you want, or having a, something be highlighted, and it's your climbiness, it's your your willingness to be the biggest instead of the respect that you want.
2: And then your brother right. just takes all your money, yeah, <laughs> while you're not looking. That's yeah. wild, yeah. What a tale. So,
0: so that's a whole thing, and that and that just brings up because it's sometimes it's interesting listening to comedy podcasts nowadays because you hear not just about. Reflections on like jokes and different eras in the person's career and how they put together bits, but also sometimes their personal lives and how that's run in parallel or influenced different periods of their, their career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ding Cook, that brings up another thing of just like differences between comedy styles of things like physical comedy and delivery and like other types of stand up comedians like that who use like there's, for example, uh, like Carrot Top, for example, who used <laughs> like prop comedy and that yeah. being like a, like a genre or there's others. I know in our notes, one of you mentioned like Gallagher who would like smash like watermelons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a whole other sort of genre as well of like physicality versus like something that let's say is like just a highly intellectual joke or something like that. yeah. Yeah, I think that- it's
1: all going to be a matter of like what we haters are going to hate I guess is the thing. <laughs> it's like maybe it's not maybe it is not traditional stand-up comedy but again it's like a a tool that someone decided to use I to mean no successful no one's
4: ever gonna say that Lucille Ball isn't a comedian and and she wasn't a stand-up intellectual like that ty- that she was a clown she was a different type of comedian and i think it is interesting to see i think there are people that process externally and i think gallagher is a great example of like smashing something outside and there are people like robin williams who like mm. you know had issues with substance abuse and like d- destroy internally you know what i mean and you don't see that necessarily as easily not i don't they're not similar like stylistically mm-hmm. at all but I just think that you know that is a process for some people.
0: Here's Lucille Ball's chart.
2: Wow, oh. yeah. Leo's Sun, Cap <laughs> mm-hmm. and then that Uranus and Capricorn as well, and, and I mean, Mars with Saturn. Capricorn for the
4: model, you know. She's yeah.
0: got a lot of a lot of Earth placements, just like the um, the Moon, Uranus, Mars, Saturn, Mercury, and Venus all distributed between Capricorn and Taurus and Virgo. And there's just something about earth signs and the notion of like physicality or materiality that I think Mm -hmm. is really relevant.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, she also was such a pioneer in, like they created television technology for her, for their show. They owned a studio, even the day in, day out, kind of like performance level of her starting in radio. And then the sitcom itself is such a like grinding, uh, output schedule
4: they, they change mm-hmm. the way we yeah record sitcoms i mean that's it, pretty phenomenal
1: yeah and then also just the the scope of her success in terms of the show itself being super successful to me is very earthy in like measurable numbers money influence it's not like a she wasn't like a critical darling not to say and- that she wasn't critically acclaimed as well but it was like oh no this is like butts in seats I mean, (laughs) talk
4: about pioneering. You know, we still like struggle to find diversity in film and television today. And like, we had an interracial marriage on stage. Like, that is Mm -hmm. incredible. You know,
1: Mm -hmm. and very much like her and being like, this is my, this is my real. Like, we're performing together. It's where you get us both, or we don't do this. Period.
2: Mm right or dies.
0: Right. That brings up a really important point, which is. Um, comedy, especially stand-up com- comedy for a long time was like a male-dominated field and to some extent still is um, versus women breaking into that field. And I know partially we can see a result of that just searching through Adda- AstroDatabank for timed birth charts. Um, I can see that we have just like way more timed charts for men than we do for women um, but I don't know if there's any other women that maybe we should mention. I mean, one I wish we had a birth time for is uh, Whitney Cummings, who mm-hmm. um, unfortunately don't have a birth time for, but is a really good example of some of a stand up comic that's become um, very successful over the past decade in that mm-hmm. field. And um, yeah, and, and maybe just glancing at the chart really quickly, if we could talk about maybe some of the reasons for that.
2: Yeah. And I'm going to, before I forget too, if we have Ali Wong, I would love to see, cause I'm curious about like the pregnancy stand up of her sort of, um, of her think, life, but we might I don't not think have there's the time. a rising, but I do, we do have a chart. But I we think. can go back mm-hmm. to Whitney, but I just With- wanted to say that before I forgot about Ali Wong. Cause she's also, I just saw that trailer for beef. That looks so good. Like I'm excited to see that she's kind of, um, back after a divorce and, you know, back, back at
3: it.
1: But nice.
2: Yeah, I saw something. Whitney has
1: that, well, I was going to say that zero zero degrees Sagittarius to me is very much like a moment in capturing something and having a a quick ascent too. And I think that that's something that, you know, people are always going to criticize how women achieve anything. Um, (laughs) But I think that too, of it being there's something too about it being like a show with her name and that same kind of that like broad big idea sort of thing Mm
3: -hmm. I like
1: I like the Scorpio
4: stuff um I think with Scorpios and comedy we see a lot of other people's stuff we see a lot of like Ben Bailey cash cab like other people's money we see Russell Peters like joke theft conversation things like that with Scorpio and I think for Whitney we can see it and she's a scorpio rising. I'm sorry, I uh, got the degree.
0: No, noon chart, but she does have Mars oh. and Jupiter in Scorpio.
4: Mars and mm-hmm. Jupiter in Scorpio and um I think being on Chelsea's show, on Chelsea mm-hmm. lately on E, I think definitely helped uh, her rise to success. Um and I think I don't know, I could see Scorpio is also being kind of talking about those more feminine topics a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but she does it in that Mars-cutting way. Like she's not uh soft and you know, cutesy when she talks about stuff, but it is those things of kind of talking about women's women's
2: stuff or whatever, the the taboo of discussing pop culture and those things. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, I think she she doesn't look not to say like she looks like not what you're gonna hear, but there is that Scorpioness of like, oh, I'm gonna overturn the rock and show you the bugs and the weird stuff even though she has this just seeing her leo venus with the leo midheaven too like it's like she gives like a pageant energy like she's very mm-hmm. like polished and and pretty and like put together and then you're like oh you're weird oh, <laughs> which she- i think
1: is you know men hate that typically so she was um- <laughs> a model too before comedy okay. or like I was going to say she's simultaneously like simultaneously at that yeah but i think that that's also another thing too that's like um you know can be partially a uh, a benefit to success because people will be like, oh, you're a beautiful person. I want to put you on TV. Of course, you belong on TV. But that also is a thing that makes it harder than to be taken seriously as a comedian or be Mm -hmm. or be. Oh, we don't. Yeah. It makes us even more mad when you're talking about something uh, awful or taboo or whatever or criticizing. And I think that that Virgo sun, too. I think that um, hearing someone as critical of anything, especially coming from a beautiful woman, is not something that people love. Yeah. I know
4: too that when her show aired, she was grieving a parent. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure exactly like when the parent died in relation to the show. I don't know if it was during filming or at the release of the show, but that is another example of those like outward inward, maybe like a
2: Saturn moment type of thing. Mm-hmm. I think too yeah. with Virgo, I feel like they've been like the underrated champ across the research. Cause I do think it's, it's natural go to Gemini, the Mercury of Gemini and quickness and silly. But then Virgo does just have that um, that natural, it, What we did it on our latest podcast. What was the book that was like, to love a Virgo is to let them worry and just to like allow them to observe how everything is awful. <laughs> and then they can like regurgitate that back to you because it's very humanizing. Cause it's like, oh, I feel that way too. Like climate change stresses me out as well. Like these are things that are universal, stressors or maybe sometimes it goes back to something a little more individual their personal experience but i think i think virgo is i'm just going to pitch them as the underrated champ of the comedy world universe that i've seen so far in in
1: this in this research critical of how things work systems work yeah. But also critical. I think self-critical in that way totally. too. That's very indicative of comedians of being able to notice your own flaws, talk about your own problems, talk about what you would like. What you I know I look about. like
2: this, but yes.
1: yeah. Having <laughs> kind of an accurate assessment of yourself, but also being able to turn that into something funny that people can enjoy. I think that is very Virgo. I yeah. did a show with
4: Whitney and um, she afterwards, I mean, I was brand new in comedy. I should have no business, you know? And I was like, oh, you're so funny. And she was self deprecating. I mean, she wasn't super like, I hate myself or anything like that. But she was like, really? Like, oh, thanks. Like, she wasn't, mm. she was self critical. She was not like, oh my God, I'm great. Like,
0: yeah. So, that's yeah. Some, that's something that comes through a lot in her podcast that she is very aware of her like flaws. And I think that's coming from the sun and Virgo placement. But she also, with that really strong Mars in Scorpio with mm-hmm. Jupiter, I think that gives her more of the drive and the ambition and, also, the willingness to like go there with certain topics, or to put herself forth and be assertive in a way that probably has helped her, despite it being more, especially let's say, ten or twenty years ago, of a male-dominated field, to find success and to like, I don't know, fit fit in or find a place for herself um, in comedy.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> totally, I'm glad you mentioned Chelsea Handler too, because I think especially with the recent news post she did of being. A happy childless woman, which you know, you can Google this yourself if you want if you want to go on this deep dive. But um yeah, just like a good mention of a person that's still really shaking people up in terms she, of she's oh, the hello. full moon on the Pisces Virgo axis. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. She's um, um and she's a Virgo rising too.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. so we have a birth. We actually have a birth time for Chelsea Handler. Um, And just describing the chart, she has Virgo rising with the moon conjunct the degree of the ascendant at five Virgo, opposite the sun at six Pisces. And then the ruler of the ascendant is Mercury and Aquarius at 11 degrees. um, And it's kind of broadly squaring Uranus at two degrees of Scorpio. And I think that's kind of interesting because she's like willing to, yeah, to go there and like uh, kind of rile people up sometimes. Yeah, Saturn, Cancer,
2: too, with the. Just back to that recent you know, childless thing with cancer Saturn being like, and eh, fuck all of you, <laughs> like where because of this. And I think too, like even her rise to fame was really controversial because wasn't she like dating an executive who literally gave her a slot? And she was like, Yeah, I did. I slept my way to the top. Who cares? I believe so. I still um, believe at least it. there's yeah. a
4: story of that. I don't yeah. you know, whatever. And I exactly say it without happened. any
2: judgment. Like, she yeah. was like, Yeah, I I slept with the right person it she, works out that way sometimes. I mean, I and also, also had
4: remember, that... I
0: remember mm-hmm. during that time frame in the late 2000s also, she just, she would do spots on, um, like the, on E, I think on the totally. E network, she would do little bits and like, they were really funny. Like she was really good at really quick biting kind of comedic humor that, that fit that format really well, where you have to say something like really witty, um, in a very short span of time. And I think it was through that, you, that, she started getting more prominence through doing those slots on TV and then eventually getting her on show and everything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think those like short essays, too, she had all of those books like Are You There, Vodka, It's Me, Chelsea, and that kind of self mm-hmm. – again, that like self-deprecating, I'm sharing my own – I'm a mess – that mm-hmm. Virgo Pisces, like I'm, I can talk about me being a mess, so you don't have to. It's but like it's a fabulous, also, it's funny, mess. and I'm, yeah, I'm aware of it, and I'm having a great time, and I'm living my life, have it, doing what I want, and you can too. Like it's okay to be a mess, and it's hilarious. She's cool. like That's the really first goblin mode
3: mm-hmm. person,
1: <laughs> or like the embracing of like goblin energy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's interesting that you mentioned that because I just did the Pisces episode last month, and Austin Kopic, who's a Pisces, he said that one of the things he associates with Pisces is like the messy genius. And he mentioned mm. both like Einstein as well as like Rihanna as examples mm-hmm. of that. So it's interesting that you you bring that up here. Yeah, she
4: definitely like skis naked. That you know, she just <laughs> yeah. always, like smoking weed on Instagram or whatever. Yeah, I also think that seventh house sun and like partnerships. We know all of her like who she's dated. We
3: mm-hmm.
4: know all of her. I, her brother has been on her show. Like we know, and I guess that's the Saturn Cancer stuff too, where it's like we know her dogs. We know her like. Yeah, she, she lets us know in. her partnerships
1: I think that's also a very mutable um a mutable quality too which is like obviously changing from moment to moment but it is just like the essence of somebody it's that thing that you kind of can't can't pin down it's not necessarily it is her ideas but it's also the way that she delivers them and it's also just like the way that she lives and exists and is mm-hmm. and that's very mutable to me hmm mm-hmm. I have a I have a
2: pitch pivot which let me know if y'all are open to this Pause but it. the chart of Saturday night live launching because I think that that's just been such a constant staple in comedy and like who's come out of SNL so I know we've been talking mainly about people's charts but I don't know if we want to look at an actual show sure, we don't have to but it's What's
0: th- the data?
2: Um it's on Astro let me pull it up here. I can um I'll put it in our chat here. I think too, um but it's October 11th
3: 1975
2: 11:30 p.m., you know, when it always comes out in New York, New York. It's
0: uh, October 11th
2: 1975 when? Um at 11:30 at night
1: in New York. New York City. Uh interesting fact, George Carlin first host of SNL.
3: Oh, again, wow.
1: once again, very Uranian, very um, like on the precipice of a lot of cultural relevance. And a lot of his clips have been reshared. He has Uranus and Taurus natally. And then with this most recent move into from of Uranus and Taurus, there's been a lot of resharing. Oh, we're still dealing with these same things. This is still relevant. Um, Eddie Murphy,
4: too, just, went back to yeah. SNL and his second Saturn return yeah. after leaving. So that's another, you know, SNL
3: hmm
2: Yeah. And like when I was looking up SNL stuff, there's a lot of articles and debate on which era is the best. And, you know, everyone is like the first five years are like number one. And then of course we had like the nineties Renaissance. And I thought it was really interesting. Cause I think Julia referenced earlier when we had that cap, what we call the cap trap, the cluster of Saturn, Uranus and Neptune too, is when we had Chris Farley's first premiere in September, 29th, 1990. And I just thought, it's interesting because we had Lauren Michaels go away for a bit and then came back and then talked about how he was basically, this is a quote from the um, Chris Farley documentary. I think it's called I Love Chris. I have it written down somewhere, but it was basically said that he was like Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi had a baby or it's a child they didn't have. So then this sort of like second coming and fitting a new generation. And it's, you know, SNL still just the endurance of SNL is just kind of wild for Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what the longest show is in general. Maybe Simpsons. No, I mean, SNL must be at this point. This has been on so long. Yeah,
0: so that brings up, um, and also Lauren Michaels, the sort of showrunner, has been in charge of it so, so for so long, and he's been sort of like an unspoken kingmaker mm-hmm. of comedy totally. through either you know having people on or not having people on, and um, has made so many careers as a, as a result of that, of, of different mm-hmm. comedians.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was just saying too, with like looking at Jupiter and Aries in the 10th house for the the chart of SNL is just like breakout stars as well. Yep. It feels very in that solo Aries way. And then even I think this Gemini Mars in the 12th of like movies and spinoffs, if we think of the 12th house as maybe the screen or a medium or something like that, there seems to just, I like that it's also Mercury retrograde for the in launch. It's the, kind in of In the fourth
4: house and in the in the home.
2: Yeah. Like we're yeah. watching it, we're watching it live from
4: home. And I feel like that was a new. Maybe I'm I'm not yeah. sorry to say I'm not mm-hmm. old enough to know if it
1: was new, but, uh, <laughs> but it feels yeah, gathering like it might at have home. been new. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think too that like um, you know, I of course go to Uranus, Uranus and Scorpio and it being kind of like um not for prime time sort mm-hmm. of thing. This being stuff that you it's late again, it's late night. It's this with that also at that Scorpio North node of this being s- sort of t- Taboo stuff. This is more critical. This isn't, I don't know. And also, I don't know, laughter in there too, mm-hmm. I think and is the very, moon. yeah, the cat moon. I mean, that to me is the enduring, enduring quality there. But even that you're in a Scorpio too, of like staying, I don't know, fixed, fixed in the culture, changing the culture and mm. then becoming a part of it and being a place where you kind of go to, to see what, I mean, this is, I don't think this is how we would describe SNL now is again, a long, long running program on a major network that is largely successful is not uh, necessarily taboo or cutting edge the same way that it was when it started. Yeah. But I think when it definitely when it started, it it established itself as a thing that we were going to see things that you wouldn't see anywhere else on TV that you were going to see artists, musicians, comedians. We were going to be talking about subjects that you aren't talking about anywhere else. And kind of seeing that on network is pretty radical. You didn't get to always see it like and 12 of the funniest, coked up people, you know, gather in one, in one <laughs> and, cinema.
2: And, and even space. the idea,
1: I think, of that Jupiter and Aries of it being live performance. This is happening live. You can see the mistakes. You can see mm-hmm. um, this too. This isn't like a, a cut, edited script. I mean, it is scripted, obviously, but yeah. 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 I mean, well, now the-, the digital
2: bits are so much more prominent mm-hmm. now, too, the pre recorded sort of stuff where. I don't even like, I think it was Leo Saturn was in the second house too, which also feels kind of like a sustainable moneymaker.
3: Mm-hmm. That the reminds Jenny's, me also, go ahead.
4: The, the Jenny Slate F-bomb moment is really loaded too. I mean, there's so much happening. We don't have to take a look, but if if as an Easter egg, if people want to, it's insane to look how much is happening, not just in the sky, but actually um, happening in transit to her natal charts. Wow.
0: So we, we have a, that might be a good, subtopic so we have a birth time for jenny slate what was the date of the event you're talking about um let me
4: get september. the exact I want to say the september
1: for sure also we need to pay
2: all these notes like this note this doc is just like <laughs> off the charts i make this, this i can't wait to like read a,
0: through it's <laughs> gonna be a book or something the <laughs> amount of different comedians and and birth times and everything that you you
1: three <laughs> Oh, it's september <laughs> the, 26, the 26th 26 nine at yeah September and also I'm writing that down, Chris. This is
2: the, the we heard mm-hmm. it first. The astrology comedy book, Don't Steal Our Idea. We're we're posting <laughs> yeah. this out. We say this every all the time. And then, we give away business ideas.
1: Like, I'm
4: not sure
2: if you do okay. eight o'clock when you know it airs or
4: if you I don't know how exactly. Well, eleven I thought eleven thirty is air. Eleven thirty Eastern for sure. I think I don't know if they still do it at eleven thirty, do they? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that.
2: Okay. I so think sometimes it'll change depending on like if it's like an Oscars week or like okay. little things, but
0: Okay. So here is Jenny Slate's chart. Um, set up the context. What is the event we're talking about?
4: So she famously, there's this sketch and she is having to say the word friggin a lot. And it's kind mm-hmm. of her personality. It's the character trait, the funny part of her character. And she slips the F word. Um, this is also her, so she, she, premier, so her first episode. night ever. Yeah. and And you see her face and she kind of goes like, and then um she blows her cheeks out and then it cuts away from her um but you know she she could tell in the moment that she effed up literally and and they cut away
1: and you know i'm sure she's heartbroken also only had one season on snl and it is not said that she was fired because of this reason um but definitely that led to speculation of going okay this is like not a strong not a strong first episode. And it's not surprising that she did not go on to stay with SNL and have one of those SNL careers that we know are. There Were there
4: are also precedents, I think, of other performers having cursed on accident and and losing their position. Not not for that reason. They're, obviously, they don't say it's for that reason. And Jenny Slate has gone on to have a, a storied career. So I think it's an easy example because she just was Oscar nominated twice. She's doing fine. Um, but I do think it's just such a huge moment, and of course, for the for the viewer to be like, "Whoa, she mm-hmm. did it!"
0: Right? Because so she, so it's on network television, so she can't use curse words. They were supposed to use like a euphemism, and that I think uh, SNL can actually get fi- fined like lots mm-hmm. and lots of money when when a performer does accidentally slip up, especially because it's done live and it can't be edited out. Mm-hmm. So here's her chart on the inner wheel with her transits on the outside and. What are the, what's the key thing that we're looking at, or just describe it for the audio people?
2: Let's see. Well, I mean,
0: I think it's this like Mars, Mars on the like ascendant, right? In right the yeah. ascendant, and yeah. so her ascendant's at, at sixteen degrees of Cancer, and transiting Mars is at about nineteen degrees, so it's passing right over there. And it's it's actually interesting because you can see the transiting Moon on the other side at fourteen degrees of Capricorn. So there was a forming Moon Mars opposition that night. Mm -hmm. Um, And she also has the North node at 19 degrees of cancer. So Mars was exactly conjoining it.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the nodal opposition happening too on her, the South node transiting her North node, vice versa, Mm -hmm. since the nodes are traveling in duos too, that just feels a little bit like, whoops. Like, I don't know. It just feels like a sort of um, time portal.
1: Okay. Jupiter, yeah.
4: Conjuncting uh, her natal Venus at 17 degrees of Aquarius, a big oopsie. And, and then the eighth and, house and also with Neptune out of orb, but you know, it's, it's hanging out nearby. So a little bit of like, of missing something.
0: Sure. Yeah. It looks like, um, it's funny, like Mercury was retrograde at that time. So there was a Mercury mm-hmm. retrograde element to it and her natal Saturn's at 20 Libra. So transiting Mars was squaring that if the transiting nodes are moving through her, um, First and seventh house. That means she was having eclipses for an entire year and a half time frame during that mm-hmm. uh, time frame. So this was kind of a big, must have been a huge break for her getting cast on SNL and being on it and having that sort of prominence during that time frame. Um, but eclipses can have, like we said earlier, that sort of chaotic energy sometimes of uh, major beginnings and major endings. And we see mm-hmm. transiting Uranus, for that matter, was like going right over on her, her mid
1: heaven yeah also these the the sun opposite sun uh square pluto on the descendant too at that zero degrees capricorn to me is very like institutional retribution like Mm. reaction um and also just that like i don't know her son like uranus was yeah like yeah
2: yeah that's
1: really oh
2: god i'm sorry it feels like and this is like true assumption hour, but I'm wondering too, because I think Uranus was in Pisces, like up on her midheaven. And it feels like, I wonder if she was beating herself up more than maybe everyone else was. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like a headspace to even that's hard. Sure, I'm truly <laughs> speculating, like oh, we'll never know unless, Denny, well, if you hear this, let us know think what was about, happening on this. <laughs> think about
4: rehearsing that scene over and over, where you're going, like, I get it. It's supposed to be this. I get it. It's supposed to be this. Yeah. Like, don't, mm-hmm. F Just up, don't, don't F do up. Don't do this. Don't one F thing. up. Yeah. Don't yeah. F up. And then it's like the word is in the thing. It's too much. Well, and with I'm Virgo, setting. it was Virgo, Mercury,
2: too, retrograde back to some Virgoness of the precision being a little undone in a retrograde time. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, so that's really good. So there can sometimes be like singular, pivotal moments in like a, in a comedian's career for better or worse. And that could be a whole study in and it of itself is just studying the transits of those moments in time. In order to understand um, the broader context of when a person's life changes or when something really important happens, and what the nature of that was, and that of course like makes me think of like a year ago when one of the most like notable things happened, which is when Will Smith at, got up at the mm-hmm. Oscars and like slapped or or almost punched Chris Rock for telling a joke, and then some of the the things that have like come out of that um, um, since that time. So that's another instance of something that where you would want to like study it or it's been studied and talked about a lot in terms of both Chris Rock's chart, as well as especially like Will Smith's chart. Look,
2: Will Smith's mm-hmm. just not a comedy fan, you know, That's, <laughs> like we, we display that in various ways and he's a little more Martian.
3: Yeah. You know, I was well, going
2: to say, Will Smith has also had a long, very a long comedy career. Also while that he went on to give a best actor winning speech after, like the, all, all of that yeah. moment is just a truly yeah. iconic
0: yeah, well, that was really wild because it was a good example because he was having extremely positive transits and extremely negative transits all at the same time, and and that was a perfect example of that of somebody <laughs> literally hitting the height of their career of something he's been striving for for decades at that point to win an Oscar and reach the highest point in his chosen career field as a as an actor, especially doing dramatic roles, and in which he he'd made multiple shots at that in the past, mm-hmm. and and those roles hadn't been recognized. Um, but then at the same time to do something, to like commit an action at the same time that kind of like ruins it, like simultaneously. It was a really mm-hmm. interesting study in terms of what that looks like to have simultaneously good transits and bad transits.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You just don't see celebrities often lose it like that too. So it was mm-hmm. just, it felt very throwback to like an early aughts when people didn't feel as monitored or social media. It, it was almost like being transported just to like a different era, even not to say that. uh you know, punching at the Oscars happened like before, but there just felt something very like, un, like it was only them in this room, which I think is just also was so wild about the slap.
0: Right. Well, it yeah. also brought up a lot of issues for comedian because all the, at least it seemed like most of the comedians were outraged because it broke a line in comedy of the comedians want to be able to tell jokes and that you're not allowed to like assault somebody for a joke. <laughs> right. And, um, And then- fears surrounding whether that would like open the floodgates to like other comedians getting assaulted. And for example, whether a few months later, somebody jumped up at a Dave Chappelle show and tried tried to attack Mm -hmm. him and and whether that was partially like based on or or had anything to do with the president being set with the the Will Smith um, incident and everything else.
4: I Mm -hmm. think that um, there is also we talk about the fourth wall in performance and not just in comedy and drama. And I think everyone present at the Oscars knows that that exists. And so there is a, it's an invisible barrier that we've all agreed is there, but maybe that's very Neptunian or something, but crossing that feels like a intentional thing. I know I recently performed at a comedy club that um, had the wands the metal detector wands mm-hmm. and just was going through every. It's a large club, and I was just so it made me feel so much safer. And I never knew that that was something I wanted or cared about. But it's like, it's just so interesting with you know the way things violence these yeah. days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know there are making
2: changes in order to like protect performers. Mm-hmm. I just say tell better jokes. You know you might not get <laughs> you might not catch some hands if
3: well, joking.
2: I
1: think they're also in the, well, in the Oscars specifically, I think it's a little bit different than in an audience where there is a different kind of power dynamic between performer and audience. And whereas at the Oscars, I think everyone is kind of a peer in a way and not to say that anyone is right. Yeah. To it's like that, a work event. <laughs> yes. But that where it's like, you. Can, I mean, I, yeah, there's, we, it's a very sober work event
2: where you're like, oh my God, (laughs) this just went down. And then also not to like, you know, the context of Jada with hair loss, like it was just like, it was the perfect storm of, and then of course Jada and Will have a very public, unique relationship. So it was just the the perfect storm. And then the fact that Chris Rock just continued was also very speaking to the entertainment industry of like, and don't break, don't acknowledge something Mm -hmm. very wild that just, actually happened to you. So, and now they have crisis teams. They did also change how the Oscars Mm -hmm. works. Now they have like, I don't even know. I don't know what the crisis team does. I guess they're just, they wear jackets to say, if something like that happens again, we'll do something because no one did anything. And I think that was the other very strange part
1: of the whole ordeal. Well, it's a surreal. I mean, you don't know too, like, was this planned? Was this, uh, right? Is this, a, is this part of the bit? And I think everyone was like, wait, what is happening?
3: <laughs> yeah. Right. It was shocking. But,
1: but I think that, like Lisa said too, it's good that they're taking safety precautions for people because that just is a reality of the world that we live in now, where there is more, it seems like more kind of danger in public spaces, not necessarily just for comedians, but for anybody. And, um, to, to be aware of, each other's fragility as humans and our all of our mental and physical well-being, uh, and wanting to like protect that, I think is a net positive. I don't think that everyone is going to be Chris Rock getting slapped. Um, but I also think that to to say that there isn't also, I don't know, increased response to people's words, uh, isn't is also not true.
2: Well, and a fun fun fact, don't know if it's fun at all, but the Oscars, because of COVID, that was the first time I think ever they had it in Aries season. It's normally Mm -hmm. in Pisces and Aquarius season. It it can flip flop in like early February, but it was later. I don't know that we can pull Mm -hmm. it up, but I know it was like 27th. Yeah. It was in primetime Aries season. So that's like also kind of unique. If we get into Aries stereotypes of back to Mars.
1: Yeah. And I know we don't know Chris Rock's chart, but he did have Mars conjunct his son in the chart that we do have for him on, on the Oscars day.
2: Let me see see if I can pull it up.
1: The stars are saying, "Chris, brace thyself." (laughs) Well, and then he did his live event almost like a year exactly after, and I think that that's like an interesting response to another live event. They're having a live performance of comedy as kind of like taking back your power, so to speak, or or showing Mm your showing your prowess as a live performer. Both in that instance when you had to handle something you weren't expecting, and also going, "Here's how here's how good I am when I am." Uh, trying to perform. Imagine an right. Aries
4: the end of that live performance and the way he spikes that microphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, that was, um, and there was so much buildup because everybody wanted to know, everyone knew Chris Rock would eventually like address this in his stand-up and everyone wanted to know like what he was going to say and he was quiet for many mm-hmm. months and he didn't say anything publicly so there was so much anticipation built up to that special when they finally live streamed it um just what like a month ago or in the past month mm-hmm. and then and, and then yeah at the very end he has like a what was like five or ten minutes where he talked about the the will smith thing uh finally
2: mm-hmm. yeah i think all we knew right away was that he was they weren't gonna get into lawsuit mode he was like we're like it's fine it, like i say air quotes it's fine and then yeah then the buildup of hello so Rock's like, chart.
0: yeah so it's again not for sure, but this is like right. the best we think it is. Is we mm-hmm. think it's like February 7th, 1965. I'm not sure if this time is w- where this comes from. I don't remember offhand, but this may roughly mm-hmm. be the chart. And it's interesting. One of the things I was thinking about when he did that special is like it was right about the time Saturn,
3: mm-hmm. I think, it was about
0: to go into Pisces or mm-hmm. did go into mm-hmm. Pisces. And he just began his second Saturn return right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There also was a, I want to say Mercury was in Pisces as well. I haven't, hang on. What's my note about this? Um, That, oh yeah, Mercury was in Pisces when he recorded the transiting Mercury um, and it was opposite his Uranus-Pluto conjunction, I want to say. And one of the things that he noted about that is that he flubbed a punchline and I just think Mercury in Pisces oh, yeah. where it's <laughs> so not yeah. as strong. He He has natal Mercury in Aquarius as we've noted for several comedians, which is, you know, Mercury's exalted there. And it's very strong and he's very deliberate with his words and really establishes his premises. And, you know, will often like repeat himself, which I think is very like Mercury and Aquarius that fixed, like, this is the idea we keep coming back to. I'm going to say it over and over and over again. So, you know, what I'm talking about and kind of variations on that theme, but then having that Mercury and Pisces transiting, having it be a little bit more Lucy- Lucy goosey, not for the whole special, obviously, but that like when the, when the emotion kind of kicks in and when he's dealing with this subject matter, that's a little bit more,
3: you know, okay. that we're all
1: waiting for. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, that, th-
0: that was tough that he flubbed like his main joke Just at the very closing. end of the set I about, about On a live I, felt, taping. Yeah. I felt really oh. bad for him.
1: But oh. then that to me speaks to like this, this, the Saturn return starting to of it being like coming back to performing and establishing himself again as like one of, uh, a a prolific performer. And, and also that being part of the live performance, that's the risk that you run when you are proving yourself as a live performer that so many people are not doing in their standup for good reason. Um, but having that be like, yeah, that is something that can happen because it's live. And I'm showing you that this is happening in real time, uh, you know, warts and all. You know, yeah. that's really
0: interesting because that that reminds me then Saturn was in Pisces in the mid 90s. So his Saturn return, his first Saturn return must have been him. Some of those specials in the 90s that be- became so popular of his that really mm-hmm. put him on the map um, must have happened around that time period.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally.
0: Yeah. All right. Wow. Um, well all right so um we're about two hours into this recording and i could keep talking i could keep going on but i know you each have like some, <laughs> some time time restrictions is there anything um we wanted to talk about or that we'll be kicking ourselves that we didn't mm-hmm. mention or any example charts that you want to throw out really quickly
2: right i don't know why maybe it's just because i just his name popped in and i feel like he's oh legendary and now i'm just curious but I think we might have lightly mentioned Richard Pryor. I feel like also had a very, um, mm-hmm. you know, wild life and story, but I don't know if we want to dig into like one more chart before we wrap it. I mean, we'll just okay. have to come back and chat comedy some more. Cause there's just so much
1: juicy stuff to, to dig into. All right. I think, I think he has. I think he does have a good example chart of kind of all of the sort of signatures that we've been talking about, which is like the tension of the opposition, but also these tight conjunctions of of planets, including Mercury, Uranus, and Venus, Mars. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, do
2: we have yeah. a thesis we're stating? Like, yeah, all right, we can bring well, it up let's... if we have
0: specific things that we want to say about it. Um, here it is. I just, I'm just yeah. curious
2: if there's any like through line from a lot of the stuff that we've talked about that we, which yeah, of course there is. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the... yeah absolutely. So just with like Mercury. I think this Mercury with um in Scorpio with Mars and Venus, especially Richard Pryor. I mean, where did it grew up? Like, correct me if I'm wrong too. Like, grew up, I think, in uh, well, mom was a sex worker, grew up in mm-hmm. a, like a prostitution house lit himself mm-hmm. on fire his drug addiction but also like i feel like yeah sh- been through the depths but then also can bring it back in this funny way somehow like things that would probably destroy the average person but mm-hmm. can turn this into this very lovable um jokester right i think i saw some like tourist placements too with mm-hmm. um if we can pull it back up
3: i
1: would say he's also largely responsible for or what someone might disagree with this, but I would say that the like comedy material as personal material, personalizing, talking about yourself and your life and your upbringing as your subject matter, I think is something that he really innovated that people weren't doing before. And while even someone who would, I would say another like kind of greats in the conversation, like a George Carlin is still talking about ideas and social structures and, um, you know, these kind of big picture things. And I think Richard Pryor is really talking about his personal his personal experience. And I think that that Venus Mars conjunction opposite Jupiter, Saturn, and that Scorpio that you talked Scorpio Taurus of like, what's nice versus like what's true. And what's beneath all of that, um, is very Richard Pryor. And he also has that said Gemini Virgo square, like not, not in the same personal planets there, but just like in his, in his chart, I think for being like a comedian defining comedian, Mm -hmm. I think too. I mean, the roast of
4: Richard Pryor is one
1: of, I feel like, uh,
4: I see it playing in bars sometimes, you know, like I think people love, love, love that talking about Scorpio energy and roasting earlier. He has Mercury and Scorpio. And I know Julia, you also share this placement. It's something that you're very talented in doing, even though it's not necessarily, you're not like a, always a roast battler or whatever. (laughs) Like when I have, when I have something I need to write, like if I need a roast joke, I'm coming to you. Like you, you have such a talent for that. And so I do think Mercury Scorpio, definitely. And definitely in in response to something, which I think roasting mm-hmm. often is like at you, at me or whatever. And I think um, Scorpio is known for that kind of responsive, especially in a Mercury position.
2: I find that interesting. You know, it's, mm-hmm. what's wild to think about Scorpio, especially with Scorpio Mercury is roasting or dragging someone or hitting them where it hurts is going below the belt, but then Mm -hmm. also making that below the belt, not where you are like, that was just too mean. Like that didn't work. You want to find what's below the belt, which is very Scorpio with the genitals and blah, 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 sexual sort of things. And then bringing it back into something that's like palatable
0: too. So Mm -hmm. there's like an invisible line of like, you go low, but not like too low.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting
0: mention that because this is like I had uh, Jeff Ross's chart which I only have we have a noon chart we don't have a birth time but he has this Mars um, Neptune conjunction in Scorpio and he sometimes it seems like he's successful in finding like roasting is his thing and he had a podcast at one point about roasting as well as developing a formula that West Coast comedians used for doing roast battles that then started being emulated on the in the New York comedy scene at one point. Um, And finding that right balance, I think, between like something low that is like hitting a spot that's true, because I think that's part of it about roast is that Mm -hmm. sometimes it's it's hitting something that's actually Mm -hmm. true and it's getting the bottom of something in a comedic way, but it's also hitting that right note that's not like too low or is not too distasteful or what have you.
4: It's yeah. about knowing your opponent too, which I think is a very Scorpio way to yeah. approach a fight or a, any sort of thing. Um, totally.
1: Doing your when research. you have to in mm-hmm. the in a roast battle too, you have to be able to both like attack and defend, have comebacks for knowing what someone else might say about you. And I think that that's a very Scorpio uh, introspective, right. knowing your own flaws and shadow self, and this is this is what someone else might use against me.
0: Right. That's great. That's have, So knowing your own weaknesses just as mm. much as you know the others and therefore also being able to like sidestep or defend yourself if you know your weaknesses in mm-hmm. some extent versus not having that self-knowledge.
1: And yeah. how well you're able to like maintain while being um attacked in that way too of saying like when someone is saying the the potentially most you know not necessarily shameful because i think a lot of it again is like personal appearance and that sort of thing but Mm. can you can you hold your head high and not only endure those things but also come back and say like i might be this but you're also this and like
3: at least i'm not
4: that yeah people lose roast battles for having a reaction it's it happens Mm. and it's that's definitely something trying to keep it even that's tough
3: mm-hmm. so i'm thinking of
2: someone like this is just like an side tangent again maybe for another pod but i'm thinking of like someone like jimmy fallon who always breaks you know like scorpio is right. very opposite energy and god if he has tons of scorpio placements then we can talk but i'm just thinking of of that would not work well for rose is like you know you gotta like keep like mm-hmm. not break every time someone says something about you even yeah, though that's just, totally his style, is that like, he, he, he broke, like he's so in, endearing and is like always laughing at himself. I do think the, he's the
0: opposite. a go ahead.
2: Scorpio moon, so maybe
4: it's that. Mm, afraid so then, to go. And well, the opposite
0: is like the just blank expression of like a the sun in Capricorn, like Anthony Jeselnik, that doesn't break at any point or, or mm-hmm. has that just a completely calm exterior, even when like completely dismantling someone.
2: Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, oh God, I could get like, now I'm just like on a Google hole of like, now I'm thinking of like Sam Kinnison in terms of like the, uh, like such opposite wild energy. And then I'm seeing a Capricorn moon yet again, but, and Scorpio Mercury.
1: Anyways. Punishing. Okay. (laughs) Punishing. Punishing. So so I think the final,
0: the final thing to wrap this up and just to leave with people with some questions is one of the things that's really interesting that astrology might provide an interesting access point also is just why does some comedians sometimes become more eminent than others or why does some Mm. comedians become legendary? And what does it mean to have on the one hand, let's say financial success as a comedian versus what does it mean or what does it look like astrologically to have success amongst comedians within your field and to be respected as a comedian as part of the craft as opposed to let's say as opposed to like notoriety or financial success or what have you, as well as the distinction that we've kind of gotten at a little bit here in some occasions of, you know, why does some comedians peak earlier than others and like at young ages or at middle ages, or eventually sometimes at very late ages? And you know, when does that happen in terms of the timing and seeing that the astrology also um, can potentially speak to that through things like the transits or other timing techniques? Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I know um, me and Catherine Urban in the episode on the secondary progressed lunation cycle did a whole discussion where one of the charts we talked about was Dave Chappelle and the different sort of eras in his career that seemed to match very well, like the secondary progress lunation cycle. So that could be a whole separate topic at some point as we could get more into the actual timing of some of this. And that might be interesting mm-hmm. for, for another episode.
2: Yeah, there's I definitely assume. some undoings <laughs> that have yeah. have come about, come about in comedy.
1: Well, I think it's just like anything. I think that there's your like intention when you start out as a comedian for what you want to do and how that lines up with timing and how that lines up with your life experience and the choices that you make. And then there's also people that are, you know, will never be discovered the same way that there are people in other fields that will never be discovered in that same way. Not Not never, but because it also is like a... I don't know, a rare and kind of small field as much as it's, as much as there is a a long lineage of these people. I mean, how many, I don't know, people get to achieve the biggest like success. There's, there's not that many people that achieve those like heights too. And what, what is that for anybody? It always is an intersection of, you know, hard work, experience, timing, luck, all of these right. things, I think it yeah. just is like the the study of astrology in and of itself is that you can see things that are clear when you look at someone's chart. You go, "Oh, that makes total sense," but we only know that with hindsight and with these things combined and and all of that. There isn't a way to necessarily predict who's going to be a comedian's comedian, who's going to be the next big huge star because we don't know what's happening in the rest of the world and there's so many other people like. Television executives and casting and these sorts of things that like come to a come to a thing. I don't know. It's the the magic of it too. Yeah, I think too. I it think can go ahead.
0: There might be some way, though. I think in which with some of these comedians, we've seen how there's been some parts of their chart, especially with the houses or certain aspects that have shown things that have given them um, a leg up in the field or that they've been able to utilize in their career, whether it's through relationships or through leveraging technology or mm-hmm. having a having a friend that helped them out, having a parent that was already in the industry um, through a sibling and something like that it's like there's so many different things that sometimes are described in the chart where mm-hmm. if somebody came into you came in to see you who would later be like a famous comedian like a Jerry mm-hmm. Seinfeld or something you might see some indications, um, especially some of the ancient techniques or eminence but even beyond that you might see, that like a friend or a business partner will be really important to you in the mm-hmm. shaping of your career. And that could be accurately describing the fact that he would later like partner up with, um, you know, a friend in order to create his most, um, you know, famous television show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
4: I yeah. think there's people we can even just study singularly their chart to see someone like Bobcat Goldthwaite, who I think has embodied both things, who has had meteoric stardom and also is like known as a comedian's comedian. And, and, you know, I feel like comics are able to get a hold of him or get him on shows. And he's very generous. And um, I mm-hmm. do feel like he's one of the people that people come into the room to watch. Maybe not necessarily like young audience members who've never been to a comedy show before, but the comics are gonna come in and watch him, you know? And so I think mm-hmm. there there is the opportunity for both. And, you know, I haven't studied obviously all of the transits in his natal chart, but that's just uh, I
2: don't know, an interesting look. He had, I think yeah, I think another one too that came, comes to mind is Mark Maron, who mm. is definitely like a dude's dude, but also was, in his own words, like a loser. <laughs> like in terms of seeing all of his friends rise to stardom, and then really had, you know, what the fuck with Mark Maron was the the turning point for him to be had that experience in the comedy world, and maybe didn't achieve the comedy success but then have it through living a comedian's life and having access to these people and um mm-hmm. all that stuff so yeah. i think it is like everyone's journey and path how they get there is so unique and i'm glad you brought up nepo babies chris too because that is definitely part of some people's right. story well
3: i was
0: thinking mm-hmm. of like paulie shore being like the son of of Mitzi oh, yeah. Shore, who runs the comedy store and therefore yeah. he kind of had a leg up in terms of, um, having a family connection and then eventually being able to use that to have a successful career for a little bit as a, as a, in a, in movies or as a movie star. Mm -hmm. Um, um, and then there's other people whose lives who were very promising rising stars, but whose lives were cut tragically short, like, Mm -hmm. uh, Chris Farley, for example.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's just like, there's something in everyone's, there is something you can use in your chart and it doesn't necessarily guarantee a meteoric rise, but we can't we're not all, I don't know, everyone's different. And if you are open to I don't know, following something that you like doing, I think comedy, if we if we haven't established this it's grueling and you have to do it a lot and it's a thing that takes time to get good at. And I think even people that maybe have a meteoric rise early on still have to continue to get good. And where do you, where do you go from there? I think it's like, it's not done. It doesn't end there. Even if you're successful. Now you are navigating that, like we've said, with some of these examples in front of everybody with a, with an expectation that maybe you don't have if you aren't there. But I think that there's a bunch of different ways to get there. And there's a bunch of different forms that comedy and success can take. And if you are kind of aware of what's available in your chart and are kind of true to what's what's there in your experience, um, I think that is something that's like universally successful for people. Again, it's like you might hit some walls on the way there with timing, but when you are honest and using what you have your life experience like that's that's where comedy comes from it's from from your point of view from your experience from your tension within your chart and um being aware of how you might be able to leverage that with things like technology or something too might be a thing that like you don't always have to take a traditional path and and looking to your chart for ways that you might be able to kind of deviate and leverage that i think is is cool Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's something that could be really useful for comedians using astrology is using it to find your strengths and weaknesses. And that it almost seems like through all these charts we've looked at that there's something about the process of living authentically um and finding yourself during the course of your life and your journey through comedy. Um, and to the extent that astrology can help or can complement that, it might be like a useful tool.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and it yeah. is that thing of astrology too, where it's like, even though we can all have generational planets that are the same you never see the same chart for someone and so really your only job is to like live authentically and to live to be to be yourself and i think that that's like true for no matter what you're doing the more you can kind of find and be yourself at least the happier you will be hopefully i think
2: too at least what i've taken away from what we've been talking about is i think coming in i'm thinking mercury like avi right <laughs> like how we're communicating how we're processing and then you know, some mention of Venus with like the things that we care about and those feel just very like intrinsic to us. But what's now got me really excited. And I think if you're a performer or someone that's trying to create art or be seen on a more visible level, I think where you, your energy is best served with Mars has been a really fascinating point that keeps coming up in our conversation where you're leaving your mark with Pluto feels very, very, uh, like on the nose with a lot of these prominent Pluto placements. And then I think Uranus where you're willing to go there, like where can you like surprise yourself? And I think um, you'll always like have your, how you speak and which some people can put on a voice or change things. So like also can be fluid and flexible. But I think, I think there are other signatures in these charts that were a little more, I was like a little more surprised by how much Mars Pluto Uranus was like coming up as we were discussing. And I think those, typically in a chart, people get afraid of those planets, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's like, I'm thinking just like very pop astrology sensibilities, like Mars. Oh no. Like, am I going to get cut (laughs) or like, you know, Uranus, it's like going to fuck up my life. And Pluto is death, but it's also like, you're making a statement. You're it's you're like marked in history. I even coming back to George Carlin stuff of changing laws, like that's huge. So I think, um, being open to the scary parts is very comedy as well you know the tragedy of life and if you are in that lull or dull time like that's probably yeah or, all, we've all been there like it's that's material. It's material it's
3: all babe. material baby mm-hmm. yeah
0: so it's i mean it seems like we've found a way throughout the course of this which is actually really interesting And i'm glad we had this journey where we found a, where almost every planet played a role in comedy in some way or what it contributed looking at each comedian's charts, um, you know, the ascendant to one's appearance and like physical mannerisms um, to Mercury and their communication style to Mm -hmm. Venus and maybe their aesthetic uh, sensibilities to Mars and their ability to um, assert themselves, but also sometimes to go against the grain or to say the thing that might be like caustic. Mm -hmm. Um, What else to Uranus? I was going to say
2: Jupiter was probably our least talked about planet overall which
0: is, which is funny i mean yeah because you would think that i think that was maybe an overset on our part but there's probably something we were just not um picking well, up there
1: i don't know i think that there's a misconception because i think jupiter is that like i don't know jupiter feels more beloved to me and i think that comedy there's a misconception of while you're like making people laugh you're often again you're saying things that are kind of potentially controversial or potentially um mean or, or things that people don't necessarily want to hear. And I think that that like Jupiter benefic expansive sort of thing is like, I don't want to say a detriment to comedy, but it's, it's almost like the, you know, it's the, the highest position sort of thing. And I think comedy is kind of about taking the, not necessarily the underdog position, but it is like, not the it's you against other people. And I think Jupiter maybe is coming in in like an inflated sense of self or purpose or success financially, success commercially, Mm -hmm. Um, but- Save it for the politicians. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) I think it is that like, I don't know. I think with
4: Jupiter, what you're talking about being in the highest position is like punching down is never really fun. So we're trying to figure out a way to to put ourselves, even if we are in a high position, show ourselves in this uh, way where we're not punching down. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah,
0: well, and there's also, I think- there's different types of comedy in terms of some comedy might be done more at the detriment of somebody else, but then there's other types of comedy that might not be done at the detriment of somebody else. And, um, it just makes me think like recently, I just saw that Adam Sandler won, like the, was given um. the Mark, Mark Twain award for comedy or something like that. And I know he has, um, Jupiter in, in cancer and the sign of its exaltation, and there might be something relevant mm. there in terms of his style of comedy or, or what have you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, big, barrio, big, big budget movies and, and large success as like a comedic performer, um, but not necessarily, again, not necessarily like stand up, and that doesn't matter. It's not necessarily what he wants to do, even though he's returned to it and has had these moments of it. And I think is a good stand up, but has been, is beloved in this way that, um, you know, I want to say loses a little bit of an edge. I don't know. Yeah, you know, so I created his- the his uh, early uh, stuff
0: like he had some audio recordings i used to listen to in like middle oh, school that were really uh, funny like way back in the day oh, Piece yeah. of
1: piece of shit car and we're all right we're all going to hell is like one of the longest like, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely hysterical absolutely love it i
2: love adam sandler yeah love him anyway but when you said i only bring up jupiter just because i think jupiter of course is going to play a part but it just wasn't at the the naturally organically at the top of our combos but mm. you mentioned chris farley and i was thinking who's more jupiterian Chris Farley. And of course he's got Jupiter Aries conjunct his mid heaven. And I think the other thing we hear a lot in comedy is those who end up overdoing mm-hmm. yeah. going really big and wanting to be liked and wanting to say yes to everything. And that can be um, sometimes to, you know, it can have a that can take a tragic t- turn. A lot of the times mm-hmm. where it's a lot of that say yes, Jupiter go big or go home. Mm -hmm. and he's so
4: big and so seen too and I think with uh you know Sandler's Jupiter and Cancer we see him creating this film family this Mm -hmm. family of people that you see in all of his movies that you know when when it's it's a whole thing like Mm -hmm. its its own individual thing
1: yeah And
0: and that's one thing they say about him and his latest his like filmography over the past 10 or 15 years while it's not like regarded as being like the best comedy that he's just getting together as friends to like go Mm -hmm, away mm -hmm. on a vacation and do a movie and then they make a bunch of money from it and it's great so while it might not be like the height of of whatever comedians comedians like comedy um it's sort of like an excuse for him and he's he's enjoying his life and is being Mm -hmm. successful in that so it's like Mm what's what what success actually is that's actually an interesting point is going to be different for different people throughout the field
2: Yeah. yeah Well, and the authenticity, too, of I think coming back to like Dane Cook, getting that sellout vibe, you know, and being a comedian's comedians like I think everybody loves the Sandman, you know, like yeah. Adam Sandler is a beloved, just a beloved guy. And it's because he yeah, I think you can feel that in his movies, no matter how like comedy should be dumb, like we're here to be be a bit dumb. We're here to turn our brains off a little bit.
0: Right, or or to have sometimes like wacky or like zany humor, like um, Conan O'Brien, for example, Mm -hmm. and like what his show was like in the '90s and how different that was compared to like earlier shows, like Johnny Carson or something like that, and the types Mm -hmm. of skits skits that they would do. Um, That brings us also into that realm of like of Uranus, but also of timing and stuff. Like that was Mm -hmm. a really good example of somebody who kind of got screwed, you know, because he got the Tonight Show. He Mm -hmm. he finally achieved like this dream of his to get the Tonight show but then in less than a year it was kind of like ripped ripped away from him and he lost it and had to come back from that and um, it's been interesting seeing him complete his second Saturn return over the past few years, which has been him he he launched a successful podcast several years ago but I think he sold it for like millions of dollars or something like that in the past year or two so that it, this was truly him um, sort of coming back from that and redefining himself in that space.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and he has like such a. I love Conan, but what a classic! Like, went to Harvard, part mm-hmm. of the like part of the boys' club. Like, had that very. If you do this path, you're gonna get wrote on the Simpsons. Like, you're gonna have this very. Like, I'm not discrediting like the work he done, and that late night stuff was very messed up. <laughs> like how that mm-hmm. all went down with Jay Leno being like, actually, no, like I'm gonna. That was a pretty good Jay Leno impression. I just did it. Actually, did hey. you guys hear that? <laughs> I did. That kind of came through. That came through, but. Yeah, like I don't I don't want to discredit it, but I think that's another part of like when we get into Nepo Babies, the very like obvious kind of white dude route of, of comedy that can come up with Harvard and whatnot.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of it he was working as a comedy writer in The Simpsons and then his first Saturn return is kind of interesting because of how random it was that he ended up getting the uh, what the late night show and how tenuous mm-hmm. it was at first and how sort of criticized he was early on.
1: Well, and what Mm -hmm. you're able to do when you are, again, like an underdog given a position kind of, but not by chance, because obviously you've been working and you are a capable comedian in your own right, but not not necessarily on track to inherit this thing and how the kind of risks you can take there are different than someone who is given a ready-made late-night spot and the conventions that you have to kind of contain to, and then how that then gives your own kind of style and people are rooting for you because you do these kind of innovative things. But then if you want to kind of pivot and the changes that you have to make to make that late night and then those timing things too, but the like, you know, nothing's nothing's mm-hmm. in a vacuum and it's all, it all like lends its own thing to each other and creates good, good comedy. Yeah. I, I think again, that like can that,
4: like transition us towards Saturn too, because I find, you know, with him having his Saturn return now and He's definitely a comic who does Conan O'Brien presents. He uplifts other comics. And I find that a very second Saturn return type of energy. Mm -hmm. But also, I could see with having what happened to him in late night, he could have really gone the other way of like, it's dog eat dog fend for yourself. But no, he chose to, like, he's chosen to uplift other people. And I know from people who have worked for him that. It, those people, there's zero turnover at Conan or was mm-hmm. or whatever, where it's like they, he, they're there forever. They want to work for him. He's he's a great boss. He treats you well. So it's like kind of that passing along
2: the torch thing, I think, is interesting in, in that second Saturn return. Mm-hmm. That's
3: One right. of the few it's late night tapings
2: I've seen, too, was Conan. And I was shocked how he was acting like it was the first, like the pep, the energy, the excitement, being friendly with the audience. I was just like, you've been doing this for her so long like you do not have to be most of these people are this nice and this um excited to be here so it's very yeah coden has like a i mean i i don't mean this in a, like that lovable loserness which is also a kind of archetype in comedy as well where i mean so, talk about self-deprecating it's like he's always like i'm disgusting <laughs> it's like oh Oh, right. so he
0: has he has that um, early Virgo rising with Uranus, which is like the mm-hmm. unconventional, mm-hmm. Or the zaniness conjunct the mm-hmm. ascendant, but also wow. Pl- Pluto there on the ascendant, which can be very sort of intensely introspective and and aware of one's faults. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting mentioning the um the, his relationship with like employees and stuff because he has the Moon and Saturn and Aquarius in the sixth house and a day mm-hmm. chart, and um yeah, that was one of the things about the sixth house is traditionally the place of of like employees. And when Mm. he lost the Tonight Show, um, one of the things that he did was to go on a tour immediately afterwards. Mm -hmm. And part of his motivation for that was not just that he wanted to do that, but because it wasn't just him that was fired, but his entire crew, Mm -hmm. um, which had been set up with The Tonight Show, was also just lost their job. So he was concerned to keep everyone employed. um, So that sixth house placement and having the moon there, which is kind of a nurturing significator and having Mm actually a concern for one's one's employees or what have you. Well, seeing
1: that Pluto... Uh, on the ascendant too and it being not not necessarily the self undoing but that like zany quirkiness that makes you beloved is also maybe a reason why outside forces would go like actually we're going to stick with this guy that we know works we don't want this like kook coming in and you know Mm -hmm. whatever but you got to stay true to you because that's also what we don't want conan straight like, that's not Conan. That's also not why we like love him and why he, why we all wanted him to take over that spot. And it's like, what are you going to change? You're going to give up that for this other thing, be someone else? Like, you can't. Mm-hmm. I think that
2: Aquarius moon with, um, with Saturn, too. It just, I think we hear so much with Aquarius energy, especially in the moon space, as this cold, kind of detached, whatever. But then there's also, I think, that reminder of Aquarius and community and being the example. And I think, yeah, it's so easy, but okay, back to Dane Cook, and am so, sorry, Dave, if you're, well, I don't know, we can talk, but come, come here and defend yourself. But I think too, to have that, like not selling out, like, or cashing in, because that's a lot of people do sign away. This maybe on a different note, but with like music, like their, their rights to what they own or like who they are or those sorts of things. And it seems like he really stuck with himself and what he felt was right. And um, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And most people mm-hmm. don't do that.
0: For sure. Um, go ahead, Lisa.
2: Oh, I was just going to
4: say, I thought, I thought I saw some Capricorn stuff. and Conan O'Brien can't stop. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That was all,
2: that
3: was all S- I had.
4: Sustainable King. <laughs> oh, it's Virgo stuff that I was looking at. Still can't stop Capricorn North node at 24 degrees. Can't stop.
2: Mm-hmm. I think That's Leo Mars of- in the 12th too is very coming back to that self-deprecating. Cause you think of Leo Mars as like, there's such a confidence in his um, deprecation as well. Like you don't feel like, like there's like, he, I know he's being real about this, but it's also like, come on, Cody. like we, you're clearly loved, but go off King.
0: I like also his, um his Venus is like very well placed. It's exalted in Pisces in the seventh house. And he actually met his wife while doing a skit. Um, where he went to like an ad agency and got them to make an ad for like a like a mattress store or something like that. And one and one of the, the women working there that was like a writer, um, he met and they hit it off. And then later they've been married now for like 20 years or something like that. So oh, it's wow. interesting seeing things like that of different areas where even comedians have like, you know, success or failure or different things that happen, sometimes showing up in the chart or areas of ease and difficulty and things like that. But Mm -hmm. a lot of it has to do with like sometimes just chance and fate and circumstance and sometimes being in the right place at the right time.
1: Well, again, I think that's like being true to who you are. You're someone who has like a quote unquote successful relationship with someone who had who met someone and hit it off and that and i think that that can be where some of that confidence comes from too where it's like yeah you can be self-deprecating because you know that you uh have someone who loves you or whatever and kind of not trying to fight that using that as a as a strength mm-hmm. being right. yourself i mean and, and while it is a so like thinking in stand-up like a solo art
2: you need the people you know you need back to butts and seats like you you don't want to be doing stand-up to an empty room Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless and that's what you're what going, going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: And and also
0: with um this that's actually a really good example. It can be a final point, but um, because he has Uranus and Pluto on the degree of the ascendant, I'm so I've noticed sometimes people that have outer planet outer planets on an angle or very closely aligned with personal points in the chart. Sometimes um that generational sort of influence or, or significations of the outer planets. Can mean that the person somehow represents like generations of people, or it can be tied Mm -hmm. in with generational differences and generational shifts. And it was like that was one of the sort of differences between like Conan um, primarily becoming successful with like college age kids in the 1990s and forward, and that continuing that generation of people continuing to be sort of his fan base as opposed to the older generation that didn't really like get his comedy. And that was one Mm -hmm. of the reasons he struggled later with things like the tonight show with that first year of ratings, where he was trying to then jump up to speaking to the older generation when his base had always been like younger people. So that might Mm -hmm. be another interesting thing to explore at some point, which is just um, generational differences and different comedians that come to um, stand out in terms of different generations of people.
4: Absolutely.
2: Aries are cool. You know, like so, like you can't some people we've also that's been, I think, a dividing line we've seen is like some people are cool. And then some people are more for the establishment, whether that is a wider audience or something more digestible or what have you. And yeah, even though Conan would be like, I'm cool. It's like, you're yeah, you're cool. I think talking about those generational and, you know, the, the rest
4: of the planets out to Pluto generationally, I think we see obviously. With culture, I mean, we've seen a, a rise of female comedians alongside the Me Too movement and talking about, you know, sexual assault and all of those kind of things in, in the news, but also in the comedy sphere. And so I do think there's a reflection of those things both ways. Um, it's, you know, obviously it can get down to individual houses and signs and all of those things. But I do think there is a, a cultural shift that happens with comedy. Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. And now that we're recognizing that we need more that diversity is lacking in all areas of of kind of culture, that why would comedy be different? And now that we're encouraging that to see what comes, what comes of that is, is exciting to, to be a part of. Yeah, yeah.
0: And one of the things on that note um, is that people like astrologers based on their interests and their own background tend to seek out the birth charts and the birth times of people that they follow and there's a lot of um, shift, like we said earlier in this episode, of like having only certain demographics represented. And I think as astrologers now of younger generations that have different interests in people, it would be great if um, you know astrologers these days went out of their way to ask some of their famous, their favorite comedians, like what is their birth time, so that we can have a more representative um, mm. sort of cross section of people when we're able to look at charts and stuff like this, since. So many of the, the charts that we have right now w- tend to be from previous generations mm-hmm. where it was more male-dominated, but um, that's something I'm excited about and and that a lot of the charts that each of you contributed today really showed a much better um, represent- representation, but I hope that's something that continues to improve um, as we move into the future.
2: I think that's a good point to say because mm-hmm. to lean into plugs at the end of when we have guest episodes on what's your sign we always play marry fuck kill um if you don't know it's a game where you play with three celebrities you one you'll marry one you'll kill one you'll fuck it's like we're we're comedy podcasts have a sense of humor it's okay no one's actually dying or or getting fucked um (laughs) or getting married but that's something we've come across too is like it's like wow there's a lot of white dudes who we have their time and like it's that doesn't This is just so disproportional of who is a celebrity we can play with or what have you. So, yeah, just yeah. echoing that too. And I if you know want it's... to hear who Chris uh, MF'd or K, definitely, <laughs> listen, to. <laughs> definitely yeah. listen to his episode. He, episode. Played, he played with well, us. Well, I think it's
0: very a- sweating and nervous about getting canceled <laughs> when we play that game. Um, but, you know, interesting point about that with the data selection that's weird is. When I was thinking about that, we've been reading through our lists of times that we had and looking through Astro Data Bank and wondering, because on the one hand, whether it was um, because one of the things is while we mainly have male comedian birth data at this point that was collected by data collectors over the past several decades, um, in astrology, still for the past several decades, there's been um most of the practitioners of astrology have been women. So it's actually been interesting that even the data collectors have been women. So it's been interesting seeing that. Even with the field of astrology being dominated by women, that sometimes maybe their collection tendencies have been towards um, male comedians, or maybe it's just because the the field of comedians has been so dominated by men up until relatively recently. And thinking Mm -hmm. about like what what the cause of that is, or how to balance that.
1: Well, I think it's remembering that we are actively taking a role in like creating astrology and the data that we have, and I think a lot of times it can feel like it's because it is an ancient tool that's like, has these established things. And we must just have this kind of database that exists that we refer to that whatever, but it's also like, we, we get to keep making that and storing that and feeling like we are taking an active role and that we have a part to play. And, and that's not necessarily something that I always think of for myself, but this was a good reminder to go like, yeah, if you get someone's birth time, like let's, let's put that there so people can see it because it is like the, I think this is like the a problem of culture in general where it's like we can only learn from what we have to learn from and if we want more diversity and more examples and greater things so people can know that those people exist and that there are references then we get to also like help create that ask in every green room i
4: know that there are people <laughs> in um comedy spaces too who love astrology and probably a ton of them are listening i know i recently did a show at a club here in la and one of the people that was you know, a photographer there uh, was wearing like a full Zodiac outfit and I was like, oh, look, here's a friend. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's always nice to see it when it's not, you know, I'm not going into every comedy club being like guys like
2: astrology, it's cool when it shows up for you. Oh yeah, if you google astrology jokes, let's just say it ain't good.
3: It's not very good out there.
2: It's very rarely pro astrology. Let's yeah. just let's just say that. But yeah, if you got if you got a famous cousin, get that birth time, plug it in, ask D like if you're listening, DM your favorite celebrity that doesn't have a birth time right now, maybe they'll respond. You never know.
0: Yeah, but that's I like that cuz that's part of our empirical tradition that astrologers have been doing for over 4000 years now is just like observing the correlations between people's birth charts and what happens in their lives. And that's how we learn and grow as astrologers. And um, this has been a really interesting exploration of that today and probably a really um, under-researched area. So yeah, thank you all for joining me today. This has been amazing. Um, Where can people find out more information or tell me a bit more about your podcast and like where people can find it and how frequently you do episodes and stuff like that?
2: Totally. Well, we're What's Your Sign, an astrology podcast for lovers and haters. Yes, we welcome skeptics. Uh, we have new episodes every Monday. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. We're also on YouTube, um, so you can watch video episodes as well. Um, at What's at- Your Sign podcast at most social media most platforms.
3: Besides Twitter, those- It's truly
2: really besides Twitter because they have weird character limits, and that's just something that... Really? Oh, I mean,
1: let's <laughs> not even open the can of worms of <laughs> on Twitter, <laughs> Twitter's tenuous existence as of now. So mm-hmm. on if the- <laughs> you if you like comedy
4: and you want to come see stand up um chatterbox comedy night is every Sunday at eight o'clock and it's at the chatterbox in Covina, Um, maybe potentially growing to other locations soon as well.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see. Not necessarily comedians we discussed, because most of the, <laughs> the comedians we discussed are dead. Um, but uh, the your new favorites, uh, some of the best people that are uh, working today, uh, I think that we have truly some of the best lineups that you don't see anywhere else, and we really pride ourselves on that. And, and it's a fun show. We've been doing it for uh, over 10 years, and um, yeah, come, yeah. The Chatterbox rocks.
2: Us. It's a fun time, too. So if you've been feeling... Stuck home in your astrology books, come on out, like hang out. And I should say too, for what's your sign episodes typically will be about maybe like current transits that are happening. Sometimes it's more general topics on say just the moon as a concept. We'll have guests on in both the astrology realm and comedy realm. Chris was a past guest. Um, and yeah, we have a little fun over there. Come hang.
3: Cool. And we need
2: We were just talking because we were all hanging out last night and we were just talking like 2018 needs to be because that was the year we launched. And it's like I felt like that was such a astro renaissance. And we were talking to friends of like, is there like I think we'll see the waves of astrology being popular air quotes, you know, but yeah, we definitely launched during a boom time, um, whether we knew it or not.
0: Yeah, that was literally when astrology just started getting really popular, I think, slightly before that or just slightly after that. Because right around that time, a bunch of articles started coming out on mm-hmm. in the media. The media was like, why is astrology getting so popular?
2: Mm-hmm. It's like, we're lost. We don't know what else to do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Help us, God. Because
1: yeah. it rules. That's why.
2: Yes, right. and that too. And it builds community. And I think too, oh, this is what I'll plug is also if you end up loving us, which I know you will, we also have a Patreon uh, patreon.com slash what's your sign podcast. We have a discord community. Um, we have monthly bonus episodes for the new moon and full moon. Also, like if we have live events, which we've had in LA, we're based in Los Angeles. We'll hit you up and let you know things. But I think what we've learned, which I don't think we knew we were going to learn from starting the podcast was you learn a lot by just kind of what we did today is just like, how does that Capricorn moon feel? Like, how does it feel being a Taurus rising, like just sharing lived experience, which is, um, I think that kind of folkloric verbal sharing stories sort of way is a great way to learn astrology. Of course, you know, there's, there's the books and like, you know, learn, you should know with the planets and houses and aspects and all that. But I think also just sharing your life um, is a great learning tool for astrology too.
0: Yeah. And and sitting around with friends and just talking astrology. And I think that's the thing, the three of you are able to recreate the best is, you know, what that's like to have other close friends that are into astrology that you can just chat about stuff with. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, I think people should definitely check out your podcast. I'll put a link to your website in the description below this video on YouTube or on the podcast website in the entry for this episode. um But yeah, I think that's it. So thanks a lot for joining yes. me.
1: Thank you Thank so much you for having so me. This was so fun.
0: All right. Thanks everyone for watching or listening to this episode of the astrology podcast, and we'll see you again next time. Bye. Special thanks to all the patrons that helped to support the production of this episode of the podcast through our page on patreon.com. In particular, shout out to the patrons on our producers tier, including Thomas Miller, Katherine Conroy, Christy Moe, Ariana Amour, Mandy Ray, Angelique Nambo, Issa Sabah, Jake Otero, Mimi Stargazer, and Jean-Marie Kaplan. If you appreciate the work I'm doing here on the podcast and you'd like to find a way to support it, then please consider becoming a patron through our page on patreon.com. In exchange, you can get access to bonus content that's only available to patrons of the podcast, such as early access to new episodes, the ability to attend the live recording of the monthly forecast episodes, our monthly Auspicious Elections podcast, or another exclusive podcast series called the Casual Astrology Podcast, or you can even get your name listed in the credits at the end of each episode. For more information, visit patreon.com slash astrologypodcast. If you're looking to get an astrological consultation, we have a list of recommended astrologers at theastrologypodcast.com slash consultations. The astrologers on the list are friends of the podcast that have been featured in different episodes over the years, and they have different specialties such as natal astrology, electional astrology, sinistry, rectification, or horary astrology. You can get a 10% discount when you book a consultation with one of the astrologers on our list by using the promo code Astrology Podcast. The astrology software that we use and recommend here on the podcast is called Solar Fire for Windows, which is available for the PC at alabe.com. Use the promo code AP15 to get a 15% discount. For Mac users, we recommend a software program called Astro Gold for Mac OS, which is from the creators of SolarFire for PC, and it includes both modern and traditional techniques. You can find out more information at astrogold.io, and you can use the promo code astropodcast15 to get a 15% discount. If you'd like to learn more about my approach to astrology, then I'd recommend checking out my book titled Hellenistic Astrology, The Study of Fate and Fortune where I go over the history, philosophy, and techniques of ancient astrology, taking people from beginner up through intermediate and advanced techniques for reading birth charts. You can get a print copy of the book through Amazon or other online retailers, or there's an ebook version available through Google Books. If you're really looking to expand your studies of astrology, then I would recommend my Hellenistic astrology course, which is an online course on ancient astrology where I take people through basic concepts up through intermediate and advanced techniques for reading birth charts. There's over 100 hours of video lectures as well as guided readings of ancient texts, and by the time you finish the course you will have a strong foundation in how to read birth charts as well as make predictions. You can find out more information at courses.theastrologyschool.com. And finally, thanks to our sponsors, including the Mountain Astrologer magazine, which is a quarterly astrology magazine, which you can read in print or online at mountainastrologer.com. Thanks also to the Starscribe astrology and journaling app, which is currently running a Kickstarter campaign through April 22nd, 2023, to fund an exciting new mobile app for astrologers. Find out more information at starscribe.co. Finally, thanks also to the Northwest Astrology Conference, which is happening May 25th through the 29th, 2023, just outside of Seattle. This year's conference is going to be a hybrid conference where you can either attend online or in person. Find out more information at norwac.net.